Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, Star Trek, episode 34. That's right, week 34. Stardate 7.34. I don't know what Stardate this this is. 7, probably, right? Uh, that's a good question. Just that's a good seven. question. Let me see what date it is by the correct calendar. Uh, it is May the 3rd. Is that the one you're talking about? Uh, first of all, you know that it's not. Are you talking about... It is uh, 24 New York in ah. the year 241. Oh, cool. It's already 24 New York. Wow. Time yeah, it is flies. Like, well, I mean, we're only two months from the year 242. I'm excited. 242 yeah. is going to be a big one. You know why? It's a palindrome. From one Delaware 242, I should say. It's going to be a fucking palindrome, and palindrome years, we all know, are wild years. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. <clears throat> hell yeah. Hey, it's a Star Trek week. Yeah, it is. Uh, it doesn't sound like it from my voice, but I'm ready to do five hours. That's I, right. I can do it. We're going to go a solid five. Uh, as always, in reverse order from last week's scores. Yeah. Which means that this week we're starting off with uh, with Enterprise. Mm. Uh, we watched Sing- Singularity. Singularity. <laughs> This crew of idiots and jerks has decided to go on one of their real dangerous exploratory missions. Uh, they're they're trying to look at a black hole in a trinary star system. It's going to take them a few days to get there, which frees everybody up to do their dumb, uh, like, OCD activities. Um, like, uh, Trip gets working on fixing the captain's chair, and the captain's working on his, his Vulcan-hating dad's... Uh, the preface to his biography, and uh, Hoshi's going to take over for Chef, because Chef is sick, and so she's going to cook some dang old ramen or something, yep. et But eventually they all start to get hella, like, um, hella crazy about it. Like, Phlox won't let Mayweather leave sickbay, because he's sure there's something super wrong with him, even though he just has a headache, and he's like, won't let him leave the scanning bed, and he's going to... He's going to dissect his brain at one point, and, like, Reed is trying to come up with a new security alert protocol, but then he starts going crazy and carrying a phaser around and telling everybody they don't have access to shit, and it seems like he's going to take over the ship. Guess what? Something weird's happening in space. I know. That's it's right. It's hard to believe. Um, turns out some crazy uh, radiation's coming from the, the black hole that they are taking their time to study, because... It, I think Star Trek wants you to think that science is bad and you shouldn't do it. I mean... Everything they stop to study ends up kicking them right in the balls. 
Yeah, and also every scientist you meet is king asshole. Yeah, real either a, the main asshole, either an ego jerk who is like horrible in his personal life, but a creative genius, or uh, just an evil genius. One of the two. Do you remember that dang old dude from about ten Deep Space Nines ago who married mm-hmm. whose wife was a penguin who made it for life, and he was like, "Yeah, this is my fifth marriage, and I had no expectation that it would work, but she will die before she divorces me." So I better fly into the sun. So I'm to gonna free fly her. right into the goddamn sun. Yeah, I remember that old dude. That was right after we'd seen the the TNG one with the the Picard's old love and that crazy old scientist. Yeah, a lot of that stuff going on. I um, fucking hate scientists, and I think it's because. The writers of this show yeah. are mad that their job is considered an unimportant job. Right. You know, like, if you tell someone you're a TV writer, uh, it is a race to see who makes the jack-off motion first. Especially because they're probably embarrassed to say what they're writing on. Yeah. Like, oh, TV writer, what do you, is it uh, Law & Order or something? I love Law & Order. And then they're like, no, nah, it's, nah, it's... um. It's one of them Star Treks. Oh, they're still doing Any, those? Anyway, son, is anyone is everyone on this ship affected? Uh, okay, or is yeah, anyone so, mysteriously immune? Uh, there is one who is a Vulcan named Teepole. Even though there are sometimes other aliens on the ship like Phlox. Um, Teepole, I think it's just Phlox and Teepole, though. Teepole is usually the one who's not affected by something. And uh, she's not affected by this crazy old thing. So she gets to witness everybody going a little bit uh, bonkers. Um... Uh, so anyway, once she realizes that uh, the black hole is the cause of this weird radiation that all it does is make you kind of a crazy person. Um, and knock you out eventually, right? As you get closer. Yeah, eventually they get so crazy they pass out. Yeah, it's, they get the the crazy blackouts. I get those sometimes. Usually when technology isn't working. I like to assume it's rage blackouts because everybody was always getting in everybody else's way. Like they were all trying to do their obsession at the same time. I know. And like fucking Bakula goes down there looking for a sandwich or whatever. And then he starts messing with her ramen and she gets fucking pissed off. Yeah, she does. Uh, anyway, T-Pole's going to fly the dang thing herself to get, get them through it. But she's like, I guess she needs another pilot. Yeah. Is that what we're she supposed needs... to believe? She's got to call out what to do, and she needs someone to fly the ship. Yeah, she needs another person. So she wakes up Archer, she throws him in a cold shower, and uh, yells at him till he understands what his job is. And then she, uh, him and, and T-Pole, they fly the, the ship away from the, the old black hole. And then in the end, uh, the, the stupid new security alert saves them from uh, being destroyed by a giant piece of asteroid or something. Yep. Because the shields and weapons automatically come online and they can shoot the rock out of the way. Yeah, there's a rock in their way. They're flying through an asteroid it's field. Dumb. Basically. So basically it's one of those episodes where nobody's themselves the whole time and nothing happens. Um, what was this about? This, um, this episode reminds you to step back and look at the big picture once in a while. You know, Did don't it narrow you in that? on your little one obsessions. Right. It's uh, it's not a sci-fi take. No. And it's undercut by the fact that some of their little obsessions do bear fruit. Yes. <laughs> specifically. I gave, it, I gave it as many as three points. Specifically, a take. The, the captain's chair is way more comfortable at the end, so. Yeah, he lowered it a centimeter. Guess that was all worth it. Three points, huh? Yeah. I, I gave. Um, sounds like you didn't, you disagree. I gave it zero you gave it zero it points. It felt like a no-take to me. 
Oh, you no-taked it. I don't think that they had anything they wanted to say. I, I tried really hard to think of what they wanted me to think, but, like, the only reason they were all OCD is because they were affected by radiation. Like, they yeah. wouldn't ordinarily have been like that. It's like anyone on the yeah, ship but is such see a what... dick that they're like, this ramen's more important, you know? But but see what happens? When well, you focus if that happened? On your one little task? <laughs> yes, if that happened, then that would be very bad. I agree. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I... You shouldn't do that. Yeah, all right. Give me your take, and I'll give it a one. <laughs> that's fine. I'll take that. I mean, it's, it's, I don't like giving out no takes, so that's fine. Uh, ben, by the way, is on your side. He one-taked it. He said, everyone's got an inner asshole. Seriously, this wasn't about anything. Yeah, it really was not. Like, And they start acting weird almost from the, very, from the beginning, so it's... No, they want to do a fun little thing where everybody gets to play a weirdo. And I didn't mind that. This was one that I told you about off off there, um, not to be an NFL analyst who was like, we talked to the coach this week. Um, but uh, I am the coach of Enterprise. This one scored very, very low for me, but I actually thought it was an average episode of Enterprise. Yeah. Um, I guess as we segue into execution, yeah. talking about this one, uh, did you mention that this is also in media res? Uh, I, I don't, I don't believe I mentioned it. Uh, how did, how did it work for you as compared to the O'Brien's very carefully set up log entry framing device? Well, okay. So this, I got this mostly in my, uh, uh, my quick hitters, just that I usually don't like flashback storytelling and that this is almost in the same week as the O'Brien one. We all, we just almost got it. Yeah. They very nearly collided. Um, did the flash? I mean, when did the flashbacks end? Because uh, I kind of feel at like the, at the point when they all lost consciousness, I think. Okay, I kind of. And then we were caught back up. It was not clear. I lost the trail of it. I wasn't really. I wasn't tracking the the flashback narrative device. Yeah, they were all unconscious in the opening scene. Yeah. Did they do a lot more flashbacks, or was that the only one? But they must have recently fallen unconscious because T. Paul is able to revive Archer by just putting him in a cold shower. Yeah. So like. Yeah, they weren't out for good. I think they must have passed out. She made that log entry, then she woke him up and flew him out of that fucking thing. Or her sensor scan finally finished and she flew him out of that thing. Yeah, I wonder why she took the time to make that log entry. That seems like probably got some other stuff to do. Like uh, even probably if until she discovered that scan. there was a place where that radiation wasn't there anymore, uh, she thought they were just going to all die there. I or just, maybe she'd live, whatever. I feel like even if you're waiting for a scan to finish on a ship where literally everyone is unconscious, there must be There's a job something to better do. for you to do. Yeah, there just must be something that you have to be doing right now. Um, yeah, seems like a, a real good point. Here's what I had. Uh, it wasn't completely dull. It's it's fine that they were all zany and weird and had their little obsessions or whatever. Stupid phone, shut up. And, I know, um, did somebody score a points? It's probably just telling me about the A's lineup for tonight or something. Um, like, that stuff's all fine, but it was powerfully unoriginal, had nothing to say, fits into the series in no meaningful way, and, like, nothing changed as a result of it except that, like, we learned where Red Alert came from, which is... Um, they, don't quite, they don't quite land on the phrase Red Alert yet. Yeah, which is, like, not important, even a little bit. Um... So I gave it a one in the executions. <clears throat> that's uh, that's not 
scoring well for you. It was here. just like there was no. This episode is as filler as it gets. It's like to the point where there's literally no. You, they would not be able to defend why it was in the series. Like there's just like I don't know. We just needed to put something out there. Ben uh, gives this one a two in execution. <clears throat> he just mentions that uh, he felt like the shower scene evokes the Kirk Spock death in Wrath of Gone. Whoa. I guess because I guess because one of them's inside a tube and one of them's outside banging on the glass. Yeah, but one of them's just taking a shower. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's not doing super well there. Yeah. I mean, that, that's true, but uh, yeah. He wasn't... He is even suffering from radiation poisoning. No, uh, I didn't see a noble sacrifice. I saw No, I kind of not really. I go, what do you want? I have it a little higher, though. I have it as much as a four here. So you didn't so... entirely hate this rubric-wise? Well, not through the top half, certainly. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, a three and a four is not great. The, uh... All the quick cuts, like the fact that this is kind of a million little scenes. Right. I think it must have been a lot of work to do, and it's mostly okay. Like, yeah, a lot of times when Star Trek shows you what people are doing, and it does like they're not trying to fix the computer or do some big life-saving thing, it kind of doesn't work or make sense. Yeah. Like, it's just Picard looking at those... Um, Harp ladies, or Riker looking at those harp ladies, or... Uh, oh, Picard and Riker looking at that 3D map of the, of the planet. Of the impossible and, orbit? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, then, and then that not playing into anything at all. So them working on their little shitty tasks is interesting. Um, but again, in this episode, nothing that happens is their fault, and they don't get any credit for surviving it, because T'Pol's just immune. Yeah. Just immune to it. So... That hurts the episode for me. That's why it's only a four. Okay. But I thought, you know, filmmaking-wise, it was okay. Yeah, there were parts that um, were were semi-entertaining. Yeah. I think this is probably among the best, as a group, the best acting performances, because they all got to play around and do some new stuff. Yeah. Well, I find that we don't have a lot to say about this episode, and I think that it's because it's just like, for 40 minutes, Trip is fixing a chair while Reed is trying to get a proposal done, while Archer is trying to Work on his write a preface, yeah. while Hoshi is trying to cook, while Flox is trying to diagnose Mayweather. And it's like, they don't make any progress in any of those things. We just keep cutting back and forth to them doing it. So there's not, it ends up being kind of not a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yes. And again, they're not plot related, except that in the end, Reed's ends up saving the ship because it's yeah because of whatever so uh i'm gonna anchor around into the second half here and talk about world building yeah here's what i have neptune class ships travel at warp two never heard of those that's cool and the captain's chair is the same on them okay they got the same captain's chair so i mean that's something about like standardization of parts and right You'd have reason I, to expect that ships that were built around the same time have uh, sort of similar bits. Right. And But they're 10 years old. Right. Uh, I gave this one point for world yeah. building. This one falls far short of the standard three. They don't, like, the Vulcans have studied a lot of black holes. Yeah. But this one's in a, a trinary star system. Right. Okay.
Well, it doesn't t- tell us anything about the universe, really. There's a weird radiation that can make you obsessed. Yeah, that's what I have in world building. Because <laughs> I have weird radiation. I've literally written weird radiation. Weird radiation from a trinary star system. Uh, a fascinating look at how red alerts were invented or something, maybe their predecessor. Uh, a callback to those weird neural implants Mayweather had weeks ago. It's more of a plot callback than anything world-building-y. Yeah. Um, I only gave it two points, so I was on the, the same sort of page. Well, characterization, then. And I, I worry that you probably have the same criticism that I have here about characterization, but let's, let's uh, hear Well, it I mean, you. the main criticism is that they're all being influenced to act differently, which is one of those episodes where it's very hard to tell what kind of characterization is being done. But, um, let's see, Archer doesn't like his captain's chair. In answer to the question nobody had asked, why doesn't Archer sit down more? Right? Yep. He's like, you may have noticed, I don't sit in it that much. It's like, no, I didn't know, I didn't notice, I don't care. Yeah, the only interesting piece about that is that He he wants it fixed. Like, he has a slightly uncomfortable captain's chair, and he wants his chief engineer to fix the chair. That's the only character piece there for me. Yeah, that he even... Assuming, Instead of just, well, I'll just sit in this bad chair, I guess. That he's even like, I want it done ahead of the purging the impulse manifolds yeah. or whatever the hell trips that he would do instead. Yeah. Um, uh, Archer asking a Vulcan to look over the preface for his father's biography might be considered character work. If we didn't know he wanted those bolt-ons in his mouth. Yeah, he does. He wants to taste them. Uh, let's see. Oh, she's gonna make her family recipe ramen or whatever from scratch. I hope they got all the ingredients on the ship. Yeah. Seems like they do, because she doesn't... She doesn't want any of that shit protein resequenced either. Yeah, save that shit for Chef. Um... Honestly, at that point, it seems like everyone starts to go. Yep. And so after that, I couldn't write any more character work because it became obvious everyone was being mm, unduly influenced or, or became super exacting about their crazy tasks, um, which makes it tough. Except for T-Pole, and, you know, she doesn't really do a lot of character work in general. She yeah, acts as the audience have... avatar in this one, kind of walking around <laughs> seeing everyone being crazy. Yeah, there's like... There's one minute where she's going to read because she thinks the problem is just trip. Right. And she wants to talk to him about, like, she recognizes that Tripp's behavior is unusual, but... Then she runs into Crazy Reed. Yeah, but the person she would have gone to there should have been Archer. Yeah, because, yeah, you're right, because Tripp is Archer's buddy. Tripp is Archer's buddy, also, he's the captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Uh, anyway, I give it a two, because nothing happened, and I didn't end... It was an episode almost without characterization, so. Yeah. yeah. Ben gave it a seven. Wow! He doesn't follow our rules, I guess. He doesn't mind if he people says, are influenced. The effects seem to be such that the innermost urges and fears of the crew come out. So he he thinks that this we're doing an in vino veritas here. He like th- in, no, 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 uh, please stop. He thinks we're doing a conundrum. Oh, he does think we're doing a conundrum. Yes. Yeah. I guess that's true. Uh, I was gonna say that we're doing. A, he thinks we're doing a naked now. Sure, you. I think you and I score these as 
part of your personality is your ability to control yourself? Well, so, <laughs> so in the Naked Now, I gave characterization a nine and you gave it an eight. Never mind. Guess we hadn't so, worked on the rubric yet. <laughs> here's the point that I want to make about this. Um, I found it very hard to give characterization points here. Because I felt that their obsessions were not character-based. They just happened to be the task they were working on at the time they flew into the nebula. Yeah. Like, when you see... When Archer asks Trip to fix his fucking chair, he doesn't want to. Right. You're right, actually. He doesn't want to. There is something he would rather be doing. But because that's what he was doing when the radiation hits him, that's what he's obsessed with. Now, Hoshi did want to cook. But I'm not sure she, this is like a singular obsession, and neither. Right. Flox's job is to be doctor, and I think he's passionate about it. And he's but... just doing his job, like. Yeah. Uh, and Archer had been putting off writing the preface right. to his dad's thing, right, for like a month or something. Because every time he started it, he was talking about pointy-eared, green-blooded devils. Probably. And then he kept having to redo it. So I didn't think that their obsessions actually were revealing of their character. Yeah, so I guess that's true. In the Naked Now, Naked Time, which one did we give the good score to? Naked Now. Did they specifically say that it was that it was just their inhibitions had been lifted and that's how those were their regular urges? Uh, by the way, I want to be clear. Uh, I also gave a 10 to characterization in the Naked Time. Okay. A full-on 10. A straight-up 10. That's kind of... That's kind a of very remarkable. rare 10. Uh, yeah, I think it was fairly clear. I mean, definitely Picard and Beverly were acting on their natural urges. Yeah, but is Wesley's natural urge to, like, take over the Enterprise? Maybe it is. I don't know. I'm just... His natural urge is to bristle against adults. I guess. And, and we know Troy was trying to get to it be with a Riker. Show off. And Troy was trying to get it Riker. Yar might be, Tasha Yar was might insanely be, horny. That yeah. was very real. She might be pretty slutty. Well, you know what? I won't say that. That's mean. I'm not going to slut shame I don't think it's slutty. I think it is damage yeah, I think from Break Planet. Um, I guess... Uh, what's his name? Shimoda. I Everyone guess. knows Shimoda that Sulu was... Time. Yeah, Shimoda's the real problem in this one. Looking because, for a good time, I guess. Uh, because that dude is a straight-up baby, I guess. <laughs> It's just something he's always wanted to do, you know. Just take those things out and play yeah. them. Um, I give it a one for characterization. Okay. This this good good episode that we watched called Singularity. Yeah, and in um, a million years when we do Conundrum, I know Troy suggests that, that it's just stuff that in a situation like this where you're all just acting the way we would normally want to or whatever. Um, I, I will have to determine whether we think she's just trying to make Riker squirm. Or whether we think that that's true by watching them act. I also have to think about what that means about Worf. Well, I mean, Worf probably does want to take over the ship. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, this one didn't score that well. We don't even have to do math on that. Um, no, I, so I have some quick hitters. Do it. The, uh, just like the communicator last week was about a real communicator. <laughs> yep. Singularity. Uh, looked like it was going to be just about a black hole. Yeah. But it's also about obsession and only focusing on one thing. Mm, so they did try a little bit. They give it, it's like one It's like one level better. But I did say that these guys are from the Jatrell school of naming. Either that or um, either that, or it's still just about a singularity and they got lucky. Archer's got one of those shower combs hanging on his shower. That'll tell you, by the way, how long it was between notes. 
on this, that's uh, basically the end of the episode. That's true. You know, you know the one like it's got a hook and the tines are really big. Yeah, Marshawn has one that's a that's like that in our shower. So I think it might be a brush, but it's got oh, that hook thing. What's that for? And what does Archer use it for? His hair is half an inch long. Ch- chest ha- chest hair. Oh, he does have chest hair. Chest hair, I think. Who flies the ship while Mayweather is asleep normally? Like Archer is her second and only choice to fly the ship because Mayweather is has been sedated. Yeah. Um who 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 flies the ship on the night shift? That is a real good question. I honestly don't think we've ever seen a, another person pilot the ship. It's not like on TNG where someone's always taken over at con. Yeah, it is true. If someone gets up to go to the conference room in TNG, there is someone already on the bridge ready to take over. Waiting in the fucking wings. And then hoping to just go on this is my chance right here. If I just do a really good job on this shift, I hope I don't get zapped by an entity. I know I'll get promoted lieutenant is, junior grade. The con is kind of the most dangerous position on the ship. <laughs> yeah, please say something doesn't beam onto the bridge and start shooting at me. I hope Q doesn't show up or Nagilum. Yep. Oh, God, they, they beamed that Klingon captain right in front of me the other day. It was fucking weird. <laughs> yep. Um... Do you think Trip added the jettison pod button to Archer's command chair, or did that have to wait for Kirk's time? That's definitely uh, happened in between their two time periods. Uh, I gave the. I just love that the, you have to. There was a specific button on his pad, <coughs> and he has to push it just at the right time for it to be legal. But that it's just sitting that's there right. on his little. Otherwise, pad. it is a criminal crime. Yeah. Uh, I give best actor to a sarcastic Trip, probably. Trip gets sarcastic uh, in a scene where Archer is reading his uh, writing to him right. towards the end, and he does some good sarcastic acting. I think that's that I actor's give, best best thing. It, yeah. Uh, Connor Trenier is best at Holy shit. sarcasm. Is that that guy's name? I don't think I've literally ever heard anybody say it out loud. I think it is, because I think the other guy, Dominic Keating, is Reed. Oh boy, I didn't know that name either. Okay. <laughs> I watched the credits for no good reason. Oh, but you know I don't do that. <laughs> So I know the names of the people who were on the show. That's crazy. Actually, it occurs to me I don't know Mayweather's name. He must not get high billing in the credits. Oh, what a shock. The nice boy that they don't know how to write for because he's black. Yeah. What do we do with him? He's black. I don't know. Just make him nice. We'll just keep making him lift weights until we figure out what to do <laughs> with him. Just make him a nice jacked boy. Just make him super jacked, though. <laughs> I gave worst actor to Demerits Mayweather or maybe Bad Attitude Reed. Bad Attitude Reed does seem slimy in a way that I don't... He does don't threaten to in- kill someone. That's all I'm going to say about that. I don't enjoy his particular sliminess. Yeah. Uh, do you have some quick quick hitters? Ben uh, declined yeah. to write any down. I can do it. I can do it. Uh, I usually do like jumping in mid-action, but I, I just I realized right after I wrote that that it became... A, it was, we were going to do a flashback one, which then yeah. negates it. Uh, also, the teaser was like 11 seconds long. Um, is and then I said, is this going to be an episode where everyone is either altered, impaired, or asleep, making it hard to get any character work done? And turned out it was. Yep. Uh, can't say I care about how the term "red alert" was coined, but I do resent that the characters on Enterprise have to be the inventors of everything that comes later in TOS, TNG, and so on. Yeah. Why? I mean, specifically, Reed didn't he invent like force fields not that long ago? 
He did invent the force field, yes. Fucking ridiculous. Starfleet's top scientist couldn't crack it, but he's been tinkering behind the scenes. It makes me so angry. It's just why... Okay. And his his family is from the Royal Navy, so of course he knows about force fields. You know, we've talked about this before, but why is it because we're with these characters every week, do they then have to be the greatest in the universe at everything? It's laziness. It is extreme laziness. Uh, I had worst actor... It's like, you know how... You know how Garibaldi invented the force field in Babylon? Oh, wait, he didn't invent no. anything? He just got drunk and ruined his life? He never invented a single thing. Exactly no. correct. Yeah, he wasn't no. actually that good at his job. A lot of people got like assassinated on Babylon 5. Oh, you mean how the uh, cleverest thing Ivanova ever did on Babylon 5 was pretend to have sex with that alien? <laughs> yep. Well, don't forget the time she took the purple leader's cloth and became purple leader. Uh, no one was more surprised about that than her. <laughs> But purple leader, he he fell in line immediately. Yep. He who takes green is uh, green and follows green leader. He who takes purple is purple and follows purple leader. That's just how it works. Yeah. Look, dog. It let this be your last battlefield. We will get to it. I wish I can't. I want us to get to Babylon Five though. Can we get to that? Yeah. What's like? What will we put it? We've talked about this. There are plenty of things we could put it up against, but it's going to win every single week unless we put Babylon Five up against News Radio. Oh, this is going to be such an amazing little fucking tournament that we're going to do. <laughs> it's just gonna, no genre similarity at all. Just yep. uh, just stuff we enjoy for once. That actually would be kind of nice. Yeah, the takes are going to be a lot weaker on news radio <laughs> than they are on Babylon 5, probably. Yeah, everyone's going to be Jimmy James trying to teach Lisa some dumbass lesson about being boss. Yep. Um, I had worst actor frustrated Archer in his quarters with his doge. <laughs> He yelled at that dog. He yelled at it a lot. Um, it went. It went and laid down. It was ashamed. And I had best actor crazed Hoshi carrots. Crazed that carrots Hoshi. Uh, by the way, we didn't see any non. I mean, they packed a lot into this episode. We didn't see any of the non-main characters being obsessed by anything. No. Like I would have loved if her little assistant was had like some other weird little obsession. Or maybe he was working on. Or was he herbs. obsessed with just uh, serving people? Because he was constantly complaining that people were waiting to eat. Maybe that's what. Yeah, maybe he was an obsessed waiter. But it would have been cool if yeah. he'd been like working on his own hors d'oeuvre on the side. That's right. He's, I've been making this a mousse bouche for so long. It's got to be perfect. <clears throat> that's it. That's all I had. All right. So um, seems like it got low scores. Yeah. Seems yep. like it got low, low scores on this one. Enterprise but, is trying to give give away the game. They're trying to get back at the last place. Yeah, I don't want to... Um, well, I don't want to get into... I, I was going to leave this as kind of a surprise, <laughs> oh, but okay. uh, Voyager has closed the gap prior to this week to only nine total points. Oh, no. So a very weak showing out of Enterprise oh. might mean you don't have to hear Faith of the Heart again next week. That'd be really amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I again, you watch the credits. I you're not surprised to know that I do not because I don't want to have to deal with that. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, but we got four more this week. Maybe some of them are good. Uh, DS Nine is next in the order, and this week we watched Paradise. Wait, let me guess the plot. Think- let me guess the plot. I think we're like one. I think we're like one season, half a season away from me having to get a new clip for that too. By the way, no, we're only in season two, right? Oh, is it season four when that? Yeah, starts? so okay. I think Worf shows up in season four or something like that. He doesn't show up immediately after no. TNG winds down. No, 
Because uh, they have to have the movie where the ship crashes. Oh, that's right. He is still on the ship in that movie. Yeah. Uh, let me guess what the plot is about. It's called Paradise because it's a paradise for you because they finally moved the station back to Bajor and then the wormhole goes away. And the wormhole closes up. Yeah. And then they, yeah, all yeah, they do yeah, is yeah. just do like uh, on the frontier little, stuff. Little political episodes about Bajor. Is that is that what happened? Cisco and O'Brien are surveying systems uh, near the wormhole for colonization. Oh, I see. Uh, in response to questions about colonization, yes, clear, thank you. Maybe, maybe it's because they gave away Drill on <laughs> Two, and now they're like, "Well, we need we another need a, backup plan." You just gave one away, so we need more. Thank we'll you for find mentioning another that. one. I was going to mention that that is the like the weirdest captain's log I've ever heard. Dog, one of the things in the briefing, <laughs> the was, briefing studies, when the briefing studies was that they needed some more planets. Highly emphasized. <clears throat> They come across one in the Aurelia system, and it's got human life forms on the surface. So they beam right on down, and when as soon as they get there, uh, all of their devices stop working, and uh, an oiled-up 19-year-old with a longbow takes them prisoner. Yeah. An oiled jack teenager, as always. Uh, it really uh, it reminded me of the kid from Unnatural Selection, <laughs> but with a meaner face. Right. Uh, it's okay, though. Their captors turn out to be uh, shipwrecked humans who have been there for, for 10 years and have sort of given up on their own technology to form this uh, pre-industrial revolution society. Mm. Bunch of farmers, basically, under the influence of uh, a weird, charismatic, strict woman named Alexis. Yeah, like a, and uh we'll get to that name in a second. Like a like a like a crazed schoolmarm. Kind of, yes. <laughs> um and yes, her name is Alexis. Everyone's friendly. But uh But she's a cult leader, kind of. Yeah. She's got strong cult vibes way before O'Brien and Cisco pick up on it. I was on it. Yeah, you Like knew, I was on it. You knew what this was about. <laughs> So, um, one of the colonists is dying. She got bit by a space mosquito. Yeah. And, uh, Cisco and O'Brien, of course, want to step up their efforts to get back up to the runabout because, uh, they figure they can get this with the medical kit, like, like pretty good. Cause that medical kit did save O'Brien from the harvesters. Yeah. Pretty quick. Like right quick. Yeah. So, you know, pretty good odds. Um, but Alexis really resists this idea because she doesn't want them to disrupt their charming little farm life. Yeah. And, uh, also they bring a man out of a hot box and he'd been in there for a day cause he did steal a candle. He stole a candle. They put him in a Skinner box and it's not a Skinner box, but that's fine. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's, uh, B.F. Skinner was a weird dude, but he wasn't leaving people out in a metal box <laughs> in the hot sun. Um, <coughs> they put him in Schrodinger's box. There you go. That's right. They put him in and, Pandora's box and they opened and it up. This time when they opened it, the, had, the, Adam hadn't decayed and the vial of poison had. Anyway, um, she is trying to get Cisco to, uh, give up his uniform. As a symbolic chains of command style. Yeah. Four lights. Uh, bitch. Torture step. Yeah. <clears throat> um, 
So she puts him on like night watch duty when he won't do that, and then sort of forces him to work as regular. So she's doing some sleep deprivation, etc. Uh, meanwhile, in the not even a B plot, uh, Kira and Dax are looking for the other runabout. Yeah, they it did not check in or whatever. They got right. to go look for it. Yeah. Um. Eventually, O'Brien gets caught trying to. Uh, find the source of the duonetic radiation that is preventing them from using their devices. Yeah. And so she uh, puts Cisco in the hotbox because he's her commander. Yeah. He's a commander and, there. And I guess now she has just claimed sovereignty over them, right? Mm-hmm. She's just like, now I have the ability to like punish you for things, including things like trying to research stuff. Also, they've discovered that she was like oddly prepared for this place. Like, she has all of her crazy writings are on paper. Mm-hmm. She and her son, Vinod, never used technology. Yeah, it's weird how it all just worked out. Uh, it's like a real good coincidence. Yeah. Um. Once, uh, once this old boy gets taken out of the box, she does more torture to try and get him to uh, give up on ever getting back. And uh, traded the uniform out for civilian clothes, the most toy style. Yeah, that's right. And um, she doesn't throw acid on him, though. That would have worked. Yeah, I mean, that burns right through it. And uh, in response to that, he defiantly climbs back into the box. He does. He pulls a real Cisco. Yeah. He might, that might be the first time he pulls a Cisco, honestly. Uh, it is the thing, and I have no memory of this episode, it is the thing that I badly wanted him to do. Get back in that box. Let's get back in that box to show her. And he sure did. Um, O'Brien's had about enough of this. Yeah. So he talks his engineer counterpart, a nice man named Joseph, mm-hmm. into letting him knock him out. Like a nice So that he can dad. escape. That's what he seems like. Yeah. Someone's nice dad who's uh, out is. I feel like that dude has been in something, but I didn't look it up, and then I thought, he just reminds me of the captain from Red Dwarf. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. That is why. Yeah. He does remind you of that. So once I realized that that's why he reminded me of that, I didn't bother to look him up. I'm sure he's been in other stuff. Probably been in Babylon 5 eight times. Yeah. That's usually how it works. Uh, So O'Brien knocks this old boy out and then goes out into the woods with a homemade compass that he made to find the source of this uh, dampening field. Yeah. And he does find it out there. There is a machine buried in some dirt. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. That yeah. seemed like not enough protection It was for a the device. very thin layer of dirt. Maybe it doesn't work if you put too much dirt on it. But also, like, too much protection for it to be useful. Yeah. I guess she probably doesn't have to go out there and turn that thing off very often. As long as it stays on, I think she's okay. Yeah. But who's out there? Uh, Vino's out there with his uh, bow and arrow, and he does uh, chase, chase O'Brien all through the woods, and... Uh, O'Brien uses some of his tricks that he learned on set like three, probably. Yeah, yeah. By uh, taking his jumpsuit off. Apparently, he can do that really quickly. He did it super fast and hung it on that and tree. And hang it up on a tree, and Vino shoots it, and then comes over to check it out and is way too confused about what's happening. But he's just a dumb kid. Yeah, this oily teenager seems to like not be able to tell what an empty uniform is. He does seem like... Like half a frittata here. Because he blasts it with an arrow and then goes all the way up to it, doesn't notice on the way to the uniform, then looks at the uniform for a very long time like, what? What? Is he a wizard? And O'Brien jumps down in his lavender uh, undershirt and matching lavender boxers. I've never been able to tell if that's supposed to be lavender or like gray or what it is. I mean, I feel like it's got some lavender in it, right? It's like a lilac or something. I believe it. And, uh... 
ties him up, turns off the thing, comes back uh, to the camp, and now he has a phaser <clears throat> that yeah, works. Yeah, shit works, yeah. And he's gonna raise hell, except that uh, Alexis is immediately like, I still got what I wanted. Yeah. That's really not satisfying. She rallies everyone. She tells them, yes, I lied to you, but look at the but great lives that you built here. She says something like, but these lies that I allegedly told, those were <laughs> a parasite that lived in my neck. neck. Yes. No, she says, they, lead, they led to a greater truth, and I swear to God, like, how can you sit there and listen to that? My lies were really a greater truth. And uh, because this is a, a dumb Star Trek, half-tortured-to-death Cisco has to say, what about the ones who died? Yeah. Because, like, no one in the crowd's like, well, what about Meg? Meg just died Meg yesterday. Meg died yesterday. Yeah, she, she, she really, she struggled what? for a long time, too. Come on, man, what about Meg? Meg was sick for weeks. Um, uh, Kira and Dax show up. They're going to take Elixis and Vinod into custody. I guess him probably for uh, arrow murder, attempted arrow murder. He's probably actually mur- murdered somebody with that arrow over over the last few years. Yeah, it's conceivable. Um, but uh, Joseph announces that everybody is staying, and they're just going to live there and decide whether they want contact with the outside world. End of episode. What the yeah. fuck? Yeah. 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 <sighs> right, though? Matt, what was this episode about? Uh, progress is an irresistible force. This uh, neo-Luddite chick trying to f- force this old agrarian lifestyle on everyone, but like, but like, you can't put the genie back into the you know Skinner box. <laughs> Someday you'll learn what that means. That's one of the mouse trap things, right? Mouse experiment things. Uh, it is the board game mousetrap. It's the board game mousetrap. It was for my personal Skinner box. Yeah. No, it takes so long to set up, and then you accidentally <coughs> knock it over, and then you got to do it again. Yeah. Also, it only half the time works. <clears throat> um, I gave it a six because it was an easily identifiable sci-fi kind of premise. So I didn't think that they. I thought that they tried to have it both ways all the time with this place Mm -hmm. and so i didn't think they landed on actually saying anything about this neo-luddite nonsense you think they were like i don't know though maybe she has a point but think about it i think um here's what i wrote even a shitty cult is a family i guess boy is that what they because it's like why do they stay at the end yeah, I mean, I guess they stay at the end because maybe she had a point. Boy, was it really about that? About the, the, them being like a, a dumb old family? It's like their dumb community. Uh, I thought that this episode on the whole was very anti-Star Trek. Okay. Everyone just announces that they're going to stay behind. Well, yeah, the ending and is... And Alexis Whoa. proudly admits that she would have let her son die. She's so proud of this, you know? getting to say this thing. I only gave it two points. Okay. I can see... Two point take. I can see your frustration with this. With what they didn't do. Yeah. Uh, Ben just gave this one uh, three points, saying, didn't we just do this one in TOS this week? Well, we haven't gotten to that one We'll talk about that later. I think the TOS... I had a different point in that one. uh, I also had a different point, but it was... It's closer to what your take was for this one, I think. 
Execution. Yeah. I couldn't tell how the writers wanted us to feel. Okay. Is her anti-technology be your core self? There's a core innate human behavior. Yeah, a lot of buzzwords. Is that supposed to be good or bad? I think she's supposed to be bad, so isn't it supposed to be bad? I, I, but, I feel like she's like selling books. Is she, isn't she selling books? Isn't that what she's doing? For like one can she one book equals one candle. <laughs> she fucking tells Stephen, "You would have been in jail by now." I know. She is not kind to him. Stephen, my friend, you would have been in jail. <laughs> and look, that dude looks sketch. Just, I get it. And he looks at her like, yeah. I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, I guess so. Elixir said so. If I hadn't so. been kidnapped to this planet, I guess I might have been in jail. Already. I probably would have been in jail. No, no one's mad. When Cisco and O'Brien beam down, they're all like, what do people wear now? Like, they're so excited about getting contact with the outside world. And at the end, dumb, sad Joseph is just like, we're going to stay. Yeah, the outrage is so muted and, and like, it passes so quickly, like the oh, what's the name of the lady who gets sent to to, to sex? Cisco, Cassandra. Is Cassandra. That Cassandra is like you lied to us, and then a minute later she's like, eh, whatever. No, but I will stay though. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'm the town whore here, so it's <laughs> right. I got a lot of mileage here. It's like I don't, I can't go to Risa and compete. Right. <clears throat> I've been eating rock soup for ten years. I can't. Because now we finally figured out the seasoning on that too. It's more rocks. It turns out is what you do. <laughs> extra. That's littler rocks. Just a lot, a lot of small rocks, rocks is the way to do it. I give it three points for execution because I couldn't tell what they were trying to do at all here. And now I will say this: it's it's not it's hack, but it's not that bad to watch. But I did only give it five points on the top half. Right. Well, I mean that's how the the rubric goes sometimes. <laughs> It's not us, it's the rubric. It's not me, it's the numbers. Um, I actually thought that this setup, the, the setup for this episode works better as like a, a thought experiment than, say, Angel 1, where, right, isn't Angel 1, like, isn't the whole point of that? They go in and they tell these people, hey, you know the way your society has developed and the way you've been doing things for millennia and we just showed up right now? You better change what you're doing. You're not doing it right. Your society's wrong. Isn't this a better thought experiment where they, these people are just regular ass humans that crashed there ten years ago? Like, what happens to your society and how it develops, and then like, and then Cisco can show up and be like, "Hey, your, so, I mean, here's, your society's here's, dumb." Here's the thing: Angel One is a hundred percent about you can't stop progress. Yeah. This episode, like, she kidnapped these people. For sure. But the Federation is seems to be pretty chill. I feel like they probably, people could have just gone and lived without technology somewhere if they wanted to. I also thought that, and I <clears throat> I wondered why she wouldn't want to try her experiment with people who had the same idea. Yeah, like people who were already kind of bought in? Yeah. Maybe she couldn't find anybody. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Cisco's dad, who, I again, in this one, is sort of implied to be dead. Uh... He he used to cook with real food and shit. Yeah, in a restaurant, and he's like, I ain't using none of that replicator nonsense. I'm Admiral Cartwright. <laughs> like, would Admiral Cartwright Spoilers. do it? Then I won't do it, because I'm Admiral Cartwright. What would Admiral Cartwright do? I'm Admiral what, Cartwright. My name's Admiral Cartwright. I'm Cisco's dad. The fucked a wormhole alien. Spoiler alert. 
Me and Rock are right. Um, I'm just saying, like, uh, your ship crashed and you had to start your society over is, a, I think, a better way of exploring, like, it's like a reverted society than just landing on an alien world that developed its own way and then yelling at them that they're doing it wrong. Yeah, well, that's certainly true. Because I think that's what how that episode, the climax of that episode is Riker just giving them one last speech. Oh, he does. And Lady going, yeah, okay. Yeah, and again, luckily, he landed on a planet of reasonable people trying to yes. do their best. That's right. Exactly correct. Yeah. He landed on Star Trek, is what happened. The planet, Angel one, the planet of Angel One is Star Trek. Like, they're working through it. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, that being so, said, it sounds like you gave it some points. Well, uh, that being said, they made the lady kind of a kind of cartoonish. And it seemed less about... I agreed that they didn't do a good job of making it about what I said it was about. It seemed less about progress versus, like, the good old days and more of this bitch is crazy and, like, it pits her against Cisco. It's a her versus Cisco plot rather than, like, a, an ideological yep. plot. So rather than have, like, two reasonable sides and let the story kind of take you to the conclusion that you can't slow down progress, they make it clear from the beginning that this lady sucks and her views suck. Yeah. So I, I only I only give it a four. <clears throat> Uh, and, uh, Ben had given it as many as six. He said it was kind of silly, but you could see how a Koreshian cult could develop like this. Like, they definitely were running the cult leader playbook with her. Yeah, I just wish they had toned it down, but subtlety's not, like, their best, their best skill. What, um, what about world building? What world building did you experience in this episode? I don't know why I had this world building. Because sometimes I like to put where like where they're going or the name of the system or like yes. Starbase. But this is where I had. To respond to questions about setting up colonies near the wormhole, Chief O'Brien and I are conducting a planetary survey, blah, 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 blah. That's such an awkward way to start this episode. Yeah. Why is that the rationalization? Dialogue monster fucking landed on this one. <laughs> the first things that anyone says in the episode. And I was immediately like, wait a minute, what? Well, we'll talk about this when we get to uh, TOS. The dialogue monster stepped all over that one. <laughs> yeah, he did. He really did. Uh, but <laughs> you're right, though. It's a very weird setup. Like, and, and it makes, by the way, it makes no sense that Cisco would be one of the two. Yeah, it's just he's Cisco and O'Brien. Station to run. Send the science officer. Exactly. It really should have been Dax and O'Brien. That's very strange. Um, or Dax and Bashir. Like, it doesn't. It just doesn't make sense that it's Cisco and O'Brien. It only makes sense if if one of our in-universe rationalizations is the truth. And like you said, he got in trouble for giving away Draylon. <laughs> yep. And now he feels personally like they're all over him about this. And he's got to go make sure this thing gets taken like, care of. All right. He can't entrust anybody else with this. He's got to make sure this gets done. Uh, uh, listen, we have to find another planet, and I have to get credit for it. That's right. Um... So this human colony in the Aurelia system no one has ever encountered. I guess they don't pass by that way very often. Well, at least not in the last ten years. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't live on Gemulon 5. It sounds ugly, and it reminds me of Babylon 5, which is very annoying to me. Yeah. It's probably bigger than Babylon 5, though. Maybe. I mean, it's... Uh, what do they say? It's five miles long? Yeah. Something like that. <clears throat> um, That's it, also our last best hope for peace. It failed. Um, it failed. Erwan class personnel transport. The Santa Maria. Uh, Golanga is, I guess, a soccer player. Oh, yeah. Soccer has uh, persisted. Uh-huh. Although Cisco God doesn't know it. anything about it, and he's trying his best to fake his way through. Well, he he's knows looking like at O'Brien. He hurt his knee and got a bio 
biotech implant and wasn't the same. He keeps looking at O'Brien like, oh, uh, who won? Who 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 won the whole thing last year? The whole soccer tournament? Like he has no clue. Um, the Crockett's captain makes some shitty excuses to swing by DS9 and gamble with Cisco. Yeah. By the way, how? Like Dax says. Oh, I mean, it's in my quick hitters. How can you clean out a Starfleet officer in poker? Yeah. What, what does it mean? What is the Did Cisco give up his clock? I don't know. No, what he, else does he have? He hides that. He hides that when someone comes he was, to He town. doesn't bet the clock. No. No, no, no. Uh, he it's might, a clock. He, he would bet Jake before he bet that clock, for sure. I should have got a clip of him saying it's a clock. To go I'm not going to go back, it. though. Go back and do it. It's a good one. Uh, the Romulan vessel Gasco. Um, this lady uses some, uh, some messed up old boxes for corporal punishment. Uh, O'Brien made a dumb old water compass. Yep. Um, there's room for everyone on the runabout. How many people does that thing fit and how many people are in this village? It looked like there were, first of all, they have two runabouts. It oh, looked yeah. like there were no more than 20 people. If that's everybody, then what did they expect was going to happen there? That's not a that's not a big enough pool to really. Like, well, have two of them are kids, so mm. you know, it is a very good question because you really would need like you need more than that, and you'd want to have like the fewer people you have, the more important it is that they be young, that they be young, but also that they be like that they have they have genetic variability and like, maybe they're, like they're lots of ladies people. to two boys or something. Yeah, well, but then, then the, in the next generation, all the kids are related, yeah. etc. Like, you, if you're going to live without technology, there's nothing you can do for inbreeding but have a large and diverse population. So, it seems like it was kind of a doomed experiment to start Half with. Half those people were old people. I'm just saying it was a bad idea. Um, yeah, Joseph didn't look like he was cranking them out. No, and that guy who would have been in jail didn't look great either. Didn't look like no. good breeding stock. <laughs> I don't know. Um, what are the tactical implications of this duonetic field? Yeah, it seems like they should care about them, right? Because they do disable all technology. Like, do they... It seems like something you'd want to set up on the promenade. Do they... Right? Do they use things like that in combat? Do their enemies use things like that in combat? It seems like it would be a good way where if you felt like you had some kind of manpower advantage on the surface. But maybe you didn't have an advantage, you know... I mean, it seems like it's wise. something you'd want to keep around in case you had some race that had personal cloaking devices, or just in case the <laughs> Borg happened by. Yeah, right? Like, maybe it would turn them off. Who knows? Anyway, I don't, we'll never find out. Um, oh, there was a lot there. I'm willing to give it as much as a four, just from sheer volume that I found in there. Yeah, the, uh, the trouble is that I don't think much of that stuff is important, but I will say that you're talking me up from a one to a two. Are you saying Galanga is not important? That's why it's two. <laughs> it's the fact that soccer exists That's and is still, yeah. still important. They did call it soccer, though, so there you go. Yeah, not football. They didn't call it football. Mm. Did you have anything else? Uh, field transporters. Okay. Duonetic energy fields, which, again, you talked about. But, uh, she, weirdly, her books are all on paper and she says she printed them out? What does that mean? Mm, this is a good question. Do you mean, did you replicate them? Because that doesn't seem... Yeah, that doesn't seem like... Like anything. It seems like if you replicate... Or that. did you replicate blank books and then you wrote in them? 
that's, I still feel like it's the same issue. If you use what the does replicator, it mean that you printed them out? Like, has she got a fucking Gutenberg press back there somewhere? And and then when they landed there, and she's like, "Oh, here's my spinning wheel, yeah. and here's my Gutenberg press." And that they would immediately way, have been like, "Where's the field that's stopping our technology from and working?" And by the way, I don't want to actually argue the merits of her case because she doesn't have any. But then you have to go. So why do certain kinds of technology be like? Why why would mechanical technology be okay? Also, let's be clear that she has some crazy ideas, too. Like, it's not just no technology. She doesn't believe in doors. Uh, yeah, that is clearly uh, as a, a way to keep power, right? That is a panopticon move. I think she, there are certain of her, of her uh, philosophies are just to keep her in charge of those people, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, anyway, it's still two for world building, but what did she mean when she said she printed them out herself? Mm, that's a good question. You, you, you mean you replicated them? Yeah. Fucking bitch. Yeah. Dumb, dumb bitch. Yeah. So dumb, stupid. Uh, ben gave it a three. Oh, you can pull a ship out of warp. Yeah, that actually is something, isn't it? Well, I always assumed you could. I don't know if we'd seen it done that way. I always thought, like, they do it several different ways, like disrupting their warp field or. Yeah. Like, there's shit that people do to take each other out of warp throughout these different series. But. <clears throat> but yeah, I guess you can just straight up yank on them. Uh, he also points out that colonization is still a thing, um, but we did see those terraformers. Yeah. In um. Oh, we've. I mean, we talked about colonization a million times. The already. laser room episode, at yeah. least. Yeah. Characterization. Dax is a fucking sex maniac, man. She's into Morn. She's into Earth hippies. Yeah. She's probably into Kira. I believe she is. I had a feeling about that. Mm-hmm. Cisco knows about passive resistance. Yeah. O'Brien was some kind of late blooming tech prodigy. Which actually kind of makes sense when you see him working on the some, <laughs> some of the shit. Just slamming it around and swearing. Uh, but he also clearly uh, has picked up some tricks during the Cardassian Wars. Because he knows about Dude, that down hiding in a tree. On his knees every day and thank the Cardis for making him useful. Because it turns out that's the only time he ever learned anything. Yeah, seriously though, what was he before the Cardassian Wars? Because he didn't he didn't do text. Yeah, he just went out there to die. <laughs> yeah, he went out to fight Cardis, and then he learned all these skills, so he should be grateful. Uh, characterization wise, it's about a four. The Cisco stuff is okay, all right? But in a better Star Trek, he would have been able to talk the people into like O'Brien wouldn't have had to make the phasers work and then hold everyone hostage with a phaser. You think a, uh, he would have turned the rebel? He would have turned the people against her, or like a Kirk, what I'm saying. a good Kirk speech, something like that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Kirk could have turned her against her. Picard yes. could only have rallied the people. I think you're right. Although we do learn, Picard this week could have that... done a drumhead, and the bad the admiral would have gotten up and left. <laughs> yep. Uh, Kirk it... could have uh, talked her into blowing up or something. We do learn this week that Picard is still a damn sexy man. So, well, that is. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I give it four. Like I said, Chief O'Brien always with the set like three shit. I guess he didn't used to be very mechanical, which, like I said, explains his so constant fucking frustration. Fucking lazy writers. Even at least in TNG, they wrote another thing about him, which is he ran into some tarantulas once, and now he has a tarantula. I know. Why do we know more about him? In this in this fucking TNG. show, 34 episodes into Chief O'Brien being a main character, the only thing they've invented so far is racquetball. 
Which, uh, apparently, he used to play, like, 15 hours a day or something in the past. I forgot yep. the number he quoted. And his but... mom's dead. But, like, that's not a character trait of his. Right. <laughs> Can you describe your character? Call him. Uh, Me well, mom's you know, dead. He's a, he's, a, he's a guy who's got a dead mom, and he hates the Cardis. <laughs> I think that'd be just about it. Um, He's also got a black thumb. Uh, that is true. I'm surprised he doesn't blame the Cardis for that, too. No, it just gives him something. It's just a point of friction between him and Keiko, probably. <laughs> That's probably true. Uh, he is very confident that he can knock somebody out without it hurting at all. That's a lie that he told that. That's man. a lie, right? Because, uh, like, how's that concussion going to feel later, dick? Yeah. It's not going to feel there, so great. There's no way you can thump someone and knock him out like that and it not hurt. Yeah. But Bullshit. he did lie to that gentleman. Like, I promise it won't hurt. He said, well, then how but, about you just look at this uh, magnetite deposit? The guy knows. The guy knew he was going to knock him out. He knew he out. was being sent to the laser room. He goes, uh-huh. Boy, I don't know if I... Or oh, not achieve them. Oh, I don't no. think I should look down there, though. Oh, uh, now, if I look down... Uh, what's over here? Let's look over here together. Nah, I can it's do it really... so it doesn't hurt at all. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, now uh, I don't have any outs. Well, I guess... Uh, uh, oh, boy, you're right. It's very interesting. I'm still waiting. I'm still Thump. waiting. Oh, okay. That's why he decided to stay and start that colony, because it did hurt. It probably did hurt. It made, it you lied to me. These guys were liars, too. She lied to me. You lied to me. It's all the same. Let's just stay here. Cassandra, I've got a bunch of sex orders for you now. That's right. I'm in charge I'm now, the leader. And you're going to do all the, the sex bidding that I say. Um, Cisco's going through dad stuff. Now, I got one more. Oh. I think Joseph's sex ideas are probably pretty pedestrian. Uh, yeah, at least probably Tupac style. We're just getting on top. Yeah. If she gets on top, then he's being a freak. That's right. Uh, like I said, Cisco going through dad stuff. Jake keeps growing. He struck me out on the holodeck the other day. I'm worried he might be a stupid. <laughs> right? All he, the dad he's stuff. Not, he's, a, he's arranging a, a weird old-style apprenticeship with yep. O'Brien because Jake's not good with technology, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, that good dad stuff. Um, Cisco comes down hard on sexual procurement, but only because nobody tells him about what happens at Quark's, I guess. Yeah, you'd think he'd be real mad. Well... I mean, that woman did come and complain right to him about it. Then why he's why is he so angry here? And he, I don't know. He's like, oh, he just went and told Quark that the that it was unenforceable from now on. But like, you'd think he'd be way more mad about it. Uh, Cisco, Clement. I guess if Quark sent a Dabo girl to him, maybe he'd be more mad. So Cisco climbing back into that box didn't get him some characterization points because I thought that was some good shit. Oh, that's why it's worth four points. Okay, because I think I think that's good shit. Even if I think he's definitely overplaying his hand, like. Better not to die on this planet, right? Better to slowly figure out a plan. Yeah, but I think at some point he should have... First of all, he should have said to her that the runabout was gone. They saved that until the end. Like, when he tries to call up and she's like, I destroyed your runabout. Yeah. But he should have realized 20 minutes before that, and it should have been part of the conversation with her, like, the runabout's not there waiting for me, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like you said, Dax uh, gone and fucked a Hopi. And he did things with a rope you wouldn't believe. Yep. I mean, maybe that's bondage, but did she mean that he was pushing rope? Because I thought that was a bad thing. <laughs> I had not heard that expression, but I instantly understand what it means. <laughs> also, uh, as science officer, it's her job to have a better idea. Not a great Dax in this episode. Yeah, but uh, take that, Kira. For saying, you have a better idea? Yeah. Like, well, maybe, wait, maybe she does. You don't have to go right to that. 
Um, I thought some of the O'Brien and Cisco stuff was okay, but Dax, you know. But yeah. Dax, you know. Uh, Dax, I thought, ain't, Dax ain't great, and no one else was in this show. I thought Cisco was good enough that I gave it a five. Okay. Well, we're not, I mean, look, we're not crazy far off there. No, I think I gave more pretty much across the board. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, uh, Ben gave it a three and a four. On the back end, yeah. Yeah, same thing. Cisco's a real leader. Dax is super bad in this. She, I mean, it was really kind of a regression. I wasn't happy about uh, it. For his quick hitters, yeah. he says that the Settler's Cabin is an Erewhon class. Yeah, that's why I had that ship, too. Which is a fictional Luddite paradise in a book by Samuel Butler. Oh, it's look called at Erewhon. that. So they did an illusion. Ooh. Didn't get it past Ben, though. Got it past me. I don't know anything about... All Sammy Butler. Yep. I'll do some quick hitters. Oh, he asked what those creepy kids at the end were supposed to symbolize. They'd never seen anyone transport out. So what 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 those people symbolize is because those kids were born after the crash. They are going to be fascinated with technology, and ultimately, this colony is not going to survive. Ah, uh. because the next generation won't have lived the technological life that these people are rebelling against by staying there. Right. But they will remember that. That makes sense. And they'll probably ask about replicators and things over time. I remember the time I saw mom and dad beam out of our apartment. That's right. Uh, Let's see. Also, they have the force. It's the end of the last Jedi, basically. That's good. Cause that's my favorite movie. I didn't enjoy that one even a little bit. I don't know if we talked about it on the pod. We probably did. I think we did. Uh, let's see. Catherine Sakai from Babylon 5 slash Leanne Sue sighting. Yep, she plays the poor whore. She was also in one of the Rambos putting on a really bad Vietnamese accent. Yeah. I liked her better as Leanne Sue. Well. In one of the best episodes, right? It's hard to one like One of the best episodes we've watched so far. Uh, well, you remember how excited I was to get to it. I actually think it may not have scored like that. Well, that what, that good. See what Laundrew says. I do remember uh, looking forward to it for ages, though. Uh, Laundrew says forty-one points. Actually, scored quite well. Yeah, that's that's bad. quite a good score. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So she was in this shit. Uh. Dude, this lady is condescending as hell to O'Brien and Cisco. Yep. You'd be surprised how much sweeter a meal tastes when you work for it. The hell, lady. You know, Cisco may not work much, but O'Brien seems pretty busy a lot of the time. Yeah. He's not just waiting around for the computer to do everything. He should have said, last week, lady, I watched a clone of me die. <laughs> you don't know me? You don't, you don't know, know anything me? about me. Yeah, no one ever gets aggressive and gets in someone's face about their insane backstories. Because from week to week, I guess we're supposed to forget that they have lived the, the most bonkers lives. <clears throat> uh, yeah, at least so far. Uh, th- I kept thinking this lady's name was going to set off my Amazon Echo Puck. Oh, yeah. But it is, Real risky. But they all had to enunciate it so specifically because of the way it was written, and they all are trying so hard to say Elixis that it never once, and in any of the times that I've said it, never has it set off the thing. Um, because it's spelled uh, A-L-I-X-U-S, according to the uh, captions. I've tried really hard to pronounce it Elixis every time we say this here, even though that... Is not a name. It's not a name. And it does contain the word licks, which and I don't like. It messed up everybody. Everyone who has to say it in the episode is like over enunciating and over emphasizing, clearly because they've been told on set that it's not Alexa or whatever. Yeah, they trip on it a little bit every time. Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> let's see. Uh, I had best actor as uh, uh, no, we're not sassy Cisco. When Alexis says uh, we're doing everything we can to help sick old Meg. Yep. He just straight looks at her like, what the fuck are you talking about? I had worst actor as Terry Farrell acting like she didn't understand Kira's comment about it being odd that they haven't heard from Cisco yet. It's a reasonable choice, but you have to remember that I will also give it to guest stars. Oh, sure. Well, yeah, okay. The, some of the guests were pretty fucking right. bad in this one. But she really telegraphed that scene. She's bad, but she's not bad for Terry Farrell. Like, we've seen it. By this point, 34 fucking episodes in, then the best Dax is still sex Dax. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Nothing can stop that. Um, them hearing about the sighting of the runaway, the runabout going at warp with nobody on board, that was the giveaway that the lady had done it, right? Yes. So for the rest of the episode, we already know what happened. That's correct. And also, uh, doesn't it doesn't make... Uh, there's a detail in there that is useless, which is that the computer memory was wiped. Yeah, like who cares? Before she, she tried to shoot it into the sun, which seems you. like a big waste of time. She tried to launch it into the sun. Who cares what's on the fucking memory? And also, they just traced it back and figured out where it went anyway. So it's like, it didn't even buy us an extra scene yeah. where they didn't know where to go. And since they could have just said, well, it took that long to get there anyway, it, like th- that detail could have been dropped entirely. Speaking of uh, people who were having trouble pronouncing names, Elixis herself could not say Cassandra. Every single time she says Cassandra, like two separate words, and the second one has an H. Everybody was weird in this, dude. Oh, it's a it's a weird episode. Weird it, performances. Uh, it's got that, like, Cassandra. say what you will about Enterprise, but when they shoot an outdoor-looking scene, it looks good. Yeah. And, and by the way, this that was not outdoors. That was on a soundstage, and probably that's part of it. Right. But... Uh, this episode looked bad? It did. It did. I mean, it really just looked bad. Hey, if that lady had, um, had called Chode in, what what's the name of the oily guy? Vinod. Sorry. Okay, Vinod in and told him. I'm working with a guy right now named Vinod, so I, that's why it's easy for me to uh, remember. And told him that I was standing watch tonight without clearing that shit with me first. I'd be like, bitch, I ain't standing nowhere. Stand on yeah. your face, ho. Also, is Vinod also staying up all night watching Cisco, or is it an opportunity for him to make mischief? Yeah, dog. Who watches The Watcher? That's a good. It's a real good question that I hope we answer someday. I'm celebrating in my chair right now. Um, <clears throat> why is Dax risking her and Kira's life to rope in an empty runabout? Yeah, it's Starfleet property. Yeah, but they're like, if this doesn't go well, we're dead. And it's like, oh, I guess that's not really worth that. Let's come up with another idea. Like, shoot it a little. Yeah, like, I'd rather that thing got blowed up than we got blowed up. Maybe you damaged the runabout or something, whatever. Yeah. Uh, And why were those shots of her tractoring the other runabout so bad and cheesy? That was some really embarrassing CGI. Yeah. I don't know. Like, they had to build that whole big set. They might have tried to do that one on the cheap. <laughs> Just like send this to PTEN and get this thing done. Yeah. Stat. They got some, they're wasting some cycles on their Amigas right now. We can. <laughs> um, This douche tried to kill O'Brien. Straight shot him. Straight shot him right through the uniform. Yeah. By the way, missed his first shot. Made me wonder how good an archer he is. And like, we didn't see anyone eating meat 
all we see people eat on this is fruit. Yeah. Maybe there aren't even animals to hunt, and he doesn't really know how to use that. He's bow got and arrow. no practice. He's only been shooting trees. That's well, he hits know. the tree behind O'Brien, so that's probably your story all tracks. Yeah, and he can only hit O'Brien when he's standing still because it ain't him; it's his uniform. Uh, um, hanging in front of a tree. Yep. Last, uh, last note, a fitting end to this one. This lady's definitely nailing her son, right? Oh, by the way, I 100% thought she was, yeah. She's for sure nailing that boy. She definitely is nailing him. And they don't have doors. Yep. And she does it as kind of a power move where... So everyone fucking Everyone knows. has... She has made sure that everyone has caught her nailing her son at least once. And acts like And because no, no one has time. said anything about it, that's how she knows she's got control. Yeah. She's a fucking beast. She's gonna oh, yeah, run no. prison, dude. When she got rid of doors, probably the second thing she did was start walking around naked whenever she was in her quarters. Oh. I got a real strong feeling about that from her. She's gonna be she's gonna be a treat in those those cushy Federation prisons. She's gonna go wild in there. Also, she does not shave any of her body hair because it's well, not yeah. natural. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to like have technology for that. Yeah. I mean, all, all I the have. men in that place were clean shaven, and Vinod's entire body was shaved. But but that's uh, as a result of the duonetic field. So yeah. that's what's going on there. Uh, uh, yeah, that's all for me. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, turns out O'Brien had never tried playing the piano. Huh. He just, when he needed to fix that transporter in 10 minutes on set like three, it turned out he was a mechanical genius. That's right. There you go. He just had never tried. Yep. Uh, one thing I was glad was that they didn't waste five minutes talking about what a paradise that planet was before things started going bad. Yeah, they do that a lot in Star Trek, especially TOS. Yeah. <clears throat> Where they, you gotta... I mean, everything doesn't have to be or an like allusion to the Bible. A solid 15 to 20 minutes of justice, right? Oh, God, yeah. It's about how fucking great they found the horniest planet, and it's so great. They're very fit. They run everywhere, and yeah. uh, they enjoy lovemaking just as like a matter, like shaking hands or whatever. At the drop of a hat, any hat. Any, that's right, any hat. Thanks for that aside. Any Blech. hat. I thought it was charitable of Elixis to describe O'Brien as healthy. He does not appear healthy to me. No. He looks like he's always sweating. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it, he doesn't seem healthy. Right. Uh, there's a scene where Joseph is grinding a rock on a grindstone. Yeah. Why is he grinding a rock? Uh, he's making that rock. Is he? Oh. Why is he flattening that small hand-sized rock? For rock soup. It's He's making rock soup. Eventually, that's going to get small enough. That's going to be a real good rock soup rock. No explanation for why Cisco knows herbal medicine. Yeah, that's not like... We don't get a quick backstory like Beverly yeah. and uh, Arsenal like, Freedom. Shit, did, you tr- did you find this one fungus out there? And they're like, we tried some funguses. Yeah, dude, we know we, we know what to look for fungus. Thank you. God. This guy's a know-it-all. Um, Alexis had a working transporter, right? Well, how else would you get to the runabout, I guess? How else would you get to the runabout? I mean, unless she could, from her little panel in the dirt, communicate with the transporter on the runabout. I don't know. But she ain't got command codes. You can't just, hey, runabout in space, beam me up. I I honestly, I, yeah. I would expect she had a transporter, but fuck, dude, I don't know. I give uh, best actor to Cisco and worst actor to Vinod. Suck it, Chode. He barely has words in this, but he's just, he's oily. That's all. That's his main acting skill. Just like Trips is being sarcastic. It is very true. Um, all right, so 
seems on the whole to have scored better than Enterprise. We got three more to get through this week. Let's do it. Uh, next in the order is Voyager. Ooh. This week we watched Life Signs. Lovely. That's because the doctor done fall, he fell in, in love with, uh, fell in love with this old. Uh, he went to a farm just to propose to one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, boy, I love getting to do Enterprise and Voyager in the same week. Um, the Voyager's picking up a, discre- a distress call. Uh, well, actually, Paris arrives to the bridge late first. <laughs> It's let's true. Just, let's just jump into Tom Paris's slow build. We're again. still doing. We're still doing Tom Paris. We're doing a Tom Paris slow build. It's possible that Rose is high as a B plot now. Uh, anyway, uh, they pick up a distress call. It's from like a Vidian. There's a Vidian lady who's calling for help. Um, they beam her on board. She she looks like the Vidians, you know, just like a, a patchwork old dookie flesh. Yep. And uh, they're trying to save her. They're like, "Fuck, man, this is not going so good." So the doctor turns her into a dang old hologram. Like, she's got, like, a weird neural implant in her brain, and he he uses it to download all her, all her, all her brain knowledge into a hologram body. It's very true. Uh, let's see. It turns out she, uh, when he's able to interact with her, is also a physician. She's, like, trying to help cure the phage. You remember the phage. It scored really well. I do. It was for a long time was our top scoring episode, and unfortunately, what we have to sit through is the doctor getting to know this lady and realizing he's got some of them dang old feelings for her. Yeah, and he's got to go around asking Tom Paris for love advice and like what to do, and maybe they go on a date in a fifty-seven Chevy because because fucking Tom Paris. A uh, fifty-seven Chevy on Mars. On Mars, yeah, that's where Tom Paris likes to bone is on Mars. Turns out. How many times has Tom Paris taken a girl to that date and she just immediately goes, <sighs> Yeah. Like, I know what I'm in for here. And sitting right next to him in that car, she can see he's starting to go bald. <sighs> That's right. Although he's been trying something interesting lately, which we'll talk about. Um, anyway, he's in love with this hologram lady. Uh,. Kess helps them work it yeah, out. Yeah, Kess acts a way... Kess basically just becomes, like, this lady's bitch. Just, like, coming and going as the lady uh, demands her. Anyway, uh, they go on a date. Uh, they're totally in love, except, I guess, the lady... Um, she's She tries to kill her, her body. She tries to kill her body with poison so that she doesn't have to go back to it and she can be a hologram or whatever. For like a couple of days because her pattern's going to degrade in the buffer. Yeah. Because they saw relics. They saw relics. They know that's a thing that happens if your if you're pattern's in the buffer or in the the hologram machine. It's only, it's only half brilliant. What's his name deserve better? Uh, let's just say Archie. I was going to say Preston. I don't think it's Preston. I, think I don't think it's either nephew. of the things we said. Yeah, it's true. It was only half brilliant. Ah, oh, small touches. All right. Uh, but then uh, a doctor convinces her to go back into her stupid body and go on trying to cure the phage or whatever. Um, meanwhile, um, what's his name? The engineer who's a traitor? Shit. Jonas. 
Jonas. Well, his personality seems to be sits in dark room next to computers, sits in mess hall next to people, sits in dark room next to computers. So I don't really. I don't even remember seeing him. him in the mess hall, but I guess he must have been there because he was reporting on it right away. Yeah, because he's in there when Tom Paris uh, yells at Chakotay in front of everybody. Um, yeah, the B plot in this is seriously Tom Paris is mad at everybody. And he keeps getting in trouble, and then he gets kicked off the bridge. He like can't do his shift because he shows up late, and he yells at Chakotay and tells him, "You're my problem, Dad." And then, uh, and then the engineering guy, Jonas tells the Kazons, "Like, hey, uh, there's there's squabbles on Voyager." And then the the Kazon guy is like, "All right, we need to sabotage the ship," which seems like not related to what the guy had told them, but. He finally got an order, but he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to destroy the ship. I don't. Are we trying to, like, uh, make Jonas likable or something? What's the deal here? He's like, I'm not going to attack Voyager. I want to talk to Seska. And then they put Seska on the line, and she's like, no, seriously, do it. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll do it. Yeah, they're trying to do a lie down with dogs. You get fleas thing with him where it's like, <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, um... So I guess that's a C plot in this one. But uh, la- the lady goes on. Seska announces she's going to take over Voyager. Seska soon, real soon at the planet. I don't know. Seska has like uh, I don't know if it's like hormonal, but she seems kind of unhinged in this one, and she's like, "I'm I'm taking that ship." She seemed, and I guess I because I've never seen the episode that resolves this. We'll see how it works out. Mm. Uh, she seemed in that scene where she was talking like she was uh, getting directions from off screen and being held hostage. Mm, interesting take. She didn't seem like she was in control. Well, uh, Jonas, I think, uh, tacitly agrees to uh, to sabotage the ship. So that's how that one. That's how that went. Well, but what did it say? As art. Uh, I tried hard to to dig out yeah. something from this episode more than the obvious thing that they were saying. But in the end, that's all. I mean, it's just, it's too clear that it's what they want. So the, obviously this episode is beauty is only skin deep. Uh, uh, you have a pleasing personality and that's an ever loving rare quality. That's right. Uh, that's a three point take. It's not a Star Trek take. It's not. A science fit. I mean, I guess it is a Star Trek take, except now because in Star Trek, beauty wouldn't even be the thing that most people were interested in. Yeah, not in the evolved. Yeah, it's not even a Star Trek take. It's not a science fiction take. It is a pure. You can do that on a sitcom for sure. It's yeah, a pure yeah, sitcom yeah. take. It's Shallow Hal or Oof. the Amy Schumer one from this year. Oof. Um. Um. But there's nothing wrong with the take. It's just only worth three points to me. Yeah. I also thought we'd seen this before in Star Trek, but I thought what they were doing was um, that uh, no matter how sweet, no matter how um, bitter reality is, it's um, more valuable than a, a, the sweetest fantasy or something like that. Haven't we had these before where they're like, she's got to go on and live her hard life even though even though she'd like to just stay in her sweet delicious paradise like the one with libby i'm not saying anything good you know libby the fuck are you talking about <laughs> when harry kim when harry kim wakes up oh and okay. he was never on voyager 
Yeah. And, and he married Libby, but it doesn't seem like he liked her all that much because the episode's really bad. And then, but then it, he just has to go back. He has to go back, and they never explain why. But I think we're supposed to think it's because like the value of it being reality is greater than than like even even a wonderful fantasy that he gets to live in. Wasn't that the take that we specifically used for that one? I mean, yes, that is the take. That's the very clear take of that episode. I think that's this the one too. The wild episode in which he announces that Tom Paris is better off dead. Yes. That's the one. Than, uh, than whatever. Anyway. I think that's this one again, where she's like, she gets to live as a nice hologram, but it, it ain't really real, though. It ain't her real body and her real life, and she's got to go back to her real life. And like, Well, but also, she's only going to live two more days is the problem. Well, how long is she going to live with the fucking phage? You know what I mean? Well, like, it's, you know, months or years, right? I know. I'm just saying. She has she... to go back there because she has work to do still. Yeah. But, like, well, but, so did Harry Kim. He had to go but save having, Voyager. But having work to do still is a reminder that she has inherent value that's not tied to her beauty. Oh, so you're tying it back into yours. Yes. I gave it a four. All right, whatever. We're one point different. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so she wanted to live as a hologram in order to avoid living in her sick-ass body and everyone thinking she was a disgusting little bitch. Um, yeah. But in the end, is convinced that she has more valuable work to do or whatever. Uh, I think, um, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, Ben gave it a three with uh, the take... Uh, Beauty is only skin deep, which yeah. is that's what they were doing. Uh, Show me a girl and a, a girl that's fine, and I'll take the one with true loving every time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. Where are the games? Where are the games? <laughs> yeah, I understand. I'm on, I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> yes, yes. Squato or whatever your name is, Squato Me Pronto. I, I'm on my way. I'm gonna show you the games. Uh. Fallow Master Searchant of the Wadi? Yes, that's correct. I can never remember that title. That's a really great title that he has. It is pretty good. Uh, where are you on execution? Mm, it's very hard to do a doctor romance unless the central issue is what it means to be human again. And I think that plays second or third fiddle in this storyline. There is some stuff in there about how it's his first romance and how he's going to have to learn about it and all that. But the primary story is about the lady or whatever. And it just kind of gets a little bit garbled by the doctor trying to learn more about this earth thing called kissing. Yeah. Also, the doctor's not remotely likable, which always makes it tough. It is very tough. Um, this episode's a lot of character stuff and uh, a clear kind of moving the football down the field episode for the Tom Paris slow burn and the Kazon whatever. Um... So, I mean, it's not like a lot really was going on here other than the Doctor stuff. Um, I give it a four. So, I awarded one point for continuity. Now, that's not for the Paris and Jonas shit. Right. That's for the Balana at the yeah. hands of the Vidians. Yeah, However, she... I also deducted a point. Uh-oh. For the in theory style sitcom bullshit, yeah, I don't really need to like explore people going on their first date or whatever. And they're doing what they've seen or read about, and it doesn't work out. Yeah, I get it. It's very funny. Sometimes media portrayals of uh, relationships are not accurate. Yeah, I thought we're supposed to neck in the car. What the hell? Uh, I thought a couple of things redeemed us a little bit. So, did you say her name was Danara? By the way, Denara Pell. Denara Pell. 
uh, seem, by the way, that's a, a, a fair Bajoran name, I think. That could definitely have been a Bajoran. So her physical appearance represents her devastating medical condition. Yes. So ultimately there's more at stake happening here than looks. So it's just like one step deeper than that. I just wondered, like, I feel like the thing that convinces her at the end is that she can still help people because she's a doctor. So like, does the story still work if she's going home to plow fields? Mm, Do you know what I mean? Like, does he convince her to not live two more days as a hologram and then die? Would he have cared? Does he know what caring is? Yeah. Um, so my overall feeling on this episode was that it should be hateful, like the episode in theory. Yes. But it's only sneer-worthy. Okay, good. So somehow they're doing okay. I gave it uh, as many as five points for execution. Wow, okay, all right. Yeah. Sounds like, in theory, when we get to it many years from now, is it, it, you're not looking forward to that one. I've been surprised before. It is. I do also remember it as being really a, uh, an assault. I mean, it, it's an opportunity for Spiner to ham it up, which he does not need. Yeah. His, his, uh, main, his main data acting is already hammered it up just plenty. Uh, ben gave it a three. Uh, swinging back into world building. Uh, Schmollis' programming mm. uh, takes up 50 billion gigaquads of data. Yeah, she named him Schmollis. We don't know what a gigaquad is. No. But 50 billion of them, I think, feels like more than data's total memory, which we'll get to in a little while. Because they oh. do give a real-world number for that. Oh, okay. There's a lot of stuff here about the phage and the vidians. Like, yes. really more than we've learned so far. Okay. And I decided that it counts because this is already their third appearance. Is it only three? It feels like they've been Maybe even more, but definitely at least a third. Okay. And Voyager never seems to leave this part of space, so why wouldn't they keep turning up? Yeah, they ain't going nowhere. What do they care? So, uh, I think all that stuff was was pretty interesting. I gave it four points for world building. Okay. And it's basically just because of the Vidians. Yeah, more Vidians. Uh, they, again, they're not making a lot of progress heading toward the Alpha Quadrant, apparently. Um, uh, the, this procedure the Doctor does in one, in one scene was first performed by McCoy. He did say that. Useless throwback. That's just a throwaway line. Uh, The doctor cured Neelix of a bad case of the hiccups one time. It's a three. I gave it a three. The standard three. Yeah. Uh, Ben gave it a two with no notes. So no idea why he thinks it's a two. That's all right. But it's a two. That is his right. Yep. Uh, Where uh, characterization. Uh, this this is, is kind of a bottle episode, so how do we do characterization wise? Alright, so the Tom Barris slow burn continues. Tom Barris is trying a new twirly bangs thing to hide his forehead. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> like he seriously grabbed it before the shots before the scene started and just kind of wrapped it around his finger a few times and then went, Maybe that'll this'll hide it. I have noticed that uh, misbehaving Paris always has messy hair. Yeah. I guess that's not characterization. But um he has a loud problem with Chicote. Yes. Um as we talked about, it's, he's, you're not my dad or whatever. Paris gives uh, the doctor some reasonable advice about lost love, but ruins it by being so dumb that he can't figure out it's the doctor they're discussing. 
No kidding. Even even when the doctor says that it's he can't talk about it because of doctor patient con- yeah, confidentiality like, at the beginning, and and then Paris seems to understand what that means. I but then he at the did. end, it turned out he didn't. Yeah, I thought he understood, and then at the end, he's like, "Wait a minute, we're talking about you." It's like, oh, fuck me. Uh, also, Paris likes to bone on Mars, as we talked about. Yeah. Um, Belana straight pulls a war. I think he gets shot down on Mars, just like that beach where Jordy tries to give uh, Christy Henshaw Coco Nonos. He does try to give her Coco Nonos, and she is um, she's not even super polite about it. No, she wants to get out of there so bad she can't help but kind she, of hurry it along. She is very much like, why did I go on this date? Yeah, she gets out in a way where he, he one, we know he definitely knew he got shot down hard. There's not any kind of, like, ambiguity. He's not going to no. be like, uh, maybe she's still into it. He's going to be like, oh, that was really bad. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Blana's pulling a wharf here. She doesn't want to do the surgery to save this lady. Uh, I guess I can't blame her. This brain thing, for one thing, sounds rough, and the doctor yeah, sells it Yeah, they're going to take a little very, piece of her fucking brain. The doctor sells it very, very poorly. Yeah. It's, he has the worst bedside manner. He, it would have been so easy to convince her. I mean, it is easy when the lady comes in. Lady convinces her in, like, two sentences, but all he does was, uh, like, shout at her, hey, shut up and give me your brain. Yep. Um, and then she comes in, and she's like, listen, I heard about what you went through. Yeah. Uh, that did suck. Totally that did suck it. very much. Sorry about that. It's kind of our deal. Yeah. Um, this thing is the worst thing in our entire history, and we're not doing a great job with it. Anyway, I don't. Uh, I don't. You if don't you're if you're not it. comfortable with this, yeah. I, that's fine. I don't. I don't. And then she's like, "I'll go Blana's get like, changed." Yeah, Blana's like, "All right, fine. I'll get you my brain," which Worf never does. No, God, I can't want to wait for these episodes. Worf gets a reprimand about it, and yep. it's so it's so good. I can't wait for oh, these episodes. So All right. Picard is so disappointed. He, it, dude, and you know how hard it is to put something in someone's file on the Enterprise. Oh, it's very difficult. That's how disappointed Picard is. Um, that's why it's so shitty in that episode when Worf is getting religion and he's just late for one shift, yeah. and Picard is so mad. He comes in there and he's like, "Hey, bro, like we're all allowed to have religion or whatever, even though we're kind of not." I'm just gonna be honest. It is, it is discouraged. Uh, but you gotta show up to work on time, or I'll fucking fire you. Yeah, That's basically what he says. Um. Uh, then the doctor pulls a real sci-fi robot and feels he has to do a self-diagnostic when he falls in love. Fuck me. Yep. Like I said, Jonas- yeah, that's okay. Data's gonna go do that in a couple of weeks when he loses its stratagemma. <laughs> that's right. I can't wait for that episode. Um. Like I said, Jonas now counts for characterization. He's been in the episode episodes a number of times. Jonas sat in the dark by a computer. Jonas sat by some people in the mess hall. Now we're supposed to think he doesn't want anyone to get hurt. He's um, made his choices, sir. Sir, that's right. Now, if the you find the taste unpalatable, the bitter taste of them is unpalatable. I'm very I'm sorry for you. Truly sir. sorry, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I cannot wait for these episodes. That well, first of all, that might be the best episode of the next it's generation. The one so. that always stands out in my head as number one. It's definitely the one I always think about. That's why I was so excited when Jatrell showed up yeah. or uh, uh, Odo's daddy. Yeah, I don't remember uh, his name, but you know Mora. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kess tells this lady who's sitting in an infirmary bed, like dying with all of these borrowed and scavenged body parts, that nothing is sadder than a missed opportunity. Really, Cass? Nothing is sadder? Yeah. Hmm. 
And why does Cass um, let that lady order her around? After she sabotages the procedure and tries to poison herself, she asks Kess to leave so she can be alone with the doctor, and Kess just puts her head down and walks out. She doesn't yep. even wait for permission from the doctor or anything. Yeah, that's true. Why is Seska the best actor on the show? Is it because her role is the juiciest? I mean, yes, right? That must that's be The it. answer is yes, right? I gave it a four. Okay. Um, let's see. So obviously Paris is supposed to be garbage here. I'm not sure I understand what they're doing with Chakotay, though. Yeah. Like, I didn't... He does this, like, he tries a soft approach. The last time we saw Chakotay manage anybody, he hit a Maquis in the face. Yeah. Now he's going to come and sit down and try and talk it out with uh, teenage Tom Paris? Hey, I know uh, hey. I know things aren't going so great for you these days. but Hey, uh, buddy, I'm not trying to replace your dad. I want you to know that uh, me and your mom, you know, we care about each other and we care about you. Yeah. And nothing's going to change that. You know, we we may not be living together anymore, but we both want you to know it's not your fault. Yeah. He thinks this is going to work against Daddy Daddy Issues Tom Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Also, when he gets pushed and falls down... He's flopping, dude. He flops. And also, like... Tom Paris is doing to him what Riker did. To, um, fuck, we just watched it last week. What's oh. the captain's name? Uh, oh, uh, oh, um, shit. Um, uh, I wanted to say Conmel. I know it's not Conmel. Oh, shit. I, well, yes, the captain. It's not Chorus. It's not Clag. It's not Cavada. Uh, mm, the, a matter of honor. <laughs> Wait, is it Cavada? It's not Cavada. <laughs> no, Cavada's right? from, uh, Unification. Yeah. Uh, matter of honor. Uh, what's the name of Captain Dipshit? Cargon. Uh, Cargon. He's doing what Riker did to Cargon, but then he's not re- going to let him redeem him by not ducking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Schmollis is okay. Cass is okay <laughs> in this one. Are you going to call him Schmollis forever now? Uh, well, because I didn't read it. Because I didn't do the notes for this one, oh. I didn't get to read my thing, which is that uh, Schmollis is the perfect name for this dork. <laughs> it's kind of true. She renames him Schmollis. He's okay with it, it seems. And I can't, I can't play it. He looks like a Schmollis for sure. Uh, most of the cast members are absent and in the middle of an arc. So this one was never going to be a big character piece. Right. Um, but I still gave it four points. All right. And uh, I think Ben gave it as many as four. Yeah, uh, although again with no notes. <sighs> well, what? Ha- yeah, it's quick hitters, I'm sure, for this great episode. So I guess he can transfer her brain to a hologram because she already has that implant. Yeah, she's got that neural implant okay. in her brain. So that's why they don't just like make a second Chakotay to fly the ship instead of Paris. Two Chakotays would be kind of a lot, though, don't you think? But I mean, like, if all he could, if, like, duplicating is probably the best that thing can do, right? Yeah, but I'd duplicate someone else. I don't know who. I'd have to think about I hate but all of them. Chakotay so. is so all in on Janeway. It seems like a safe choice. Even Tuvok is much more rebellious. That's true. I do think Janeway would probably choose a second Chakotay over a second Janeway. 
I think a second well, Janeway yeah, she would be much more she likely. She can't be a second Janeway. Her. That's too crazy. Yeah, I think a second Chicote might be her choice. A second Tuvok yeah. is dangerous. That guy will straight up try to sell your technology away. Yeah, well, those two guys will collaborate against you. Yes. And a second Harry Kim doesn't do anyone any good. That's useless. Completely useless. So, like, who's going to fly the ship? Maybe a second Bolana. I don't know. She's. Like yeah, two Bolanas might work out, but yeah. although, but again, Bolanas' loyalty is personal to Janeway; <laughs> it's not to Starfleet. Yeah. So, um, I remember when Worf wouldn't give his blood to a Romulan. Picard was real disappointed. Everything about Tom Paris's fuck room in the holodeck is awful, but this is supposed to be in France, and they've got. An obvious alien with like an Italian accent, somewhere yeah. between Italian and Spanish, like definitely kind of Spanish. not yeah. clearly either one, but one of the two tangoing with a lady. Oh, uh, yeah. So he's a weird racist. Yeah, it's, um, um, I didn't mention that they're back in Sandrine's for when he's giving his love advice. I fucking hate Sandrine's. Yeah. So much. But they built the set, so what are they going to do? They rent that pool table. I, I wanted Kess to say, when the other person feels the same way you do, it's the most wonderful thing in life. Even if it's Neelix. That would have been really good. But she didn't. That Too would have been a sick burn. Too self-aware. Uh, Susie Crabtree sounds like a nerd. Yeah, fuck that Susie Crabtree. What, she, uh, she got crabs? Is that what her deal is? Yeah, she broke up with Tom Paris, so she's smarter than Tom Paris. Kess thinks nothing is sadder than a missed opportunity because yep. she's only going to get four opportunities before she dies. Oh, actually, that explains it. Okay, all right. That feel, I feel better about that. Then. <laughs> They're not coming along all the time for her. She's because I thought that she's was already too insensitive to say to somebody with the phage, but maybe to her that really is a big deal. Yeah, but uh, honestly, Denara might outlive Kess. That's the thing you always have to remember. Like, just a couple more good tissue transplants, and she might outlive Cass. That's possible. She is already two. She's a growing woman. Especially because they gave her one drug that fixed both her kidneys and her circulatory system. She... It's probably that same pill McCoy gave her. I was going to say, did she grow a new kidney? I, gave I, know... I grew a new kidney. I, knew, I know what was prescribed. It was whatever McCoy carries around with him. Fucking one Necco wafer. <laughs> Oh, I wish we could do Star Trek Four and not have to do the other ones. That's the problem. We'd have to judge it against these other shit movies. Can we just do two, four, and six and just leave it? Just the evens, just the not not eight or ten, but no, just the evens. All. Yeah, uh, that's the quick hitters I have. Ben didn't write any. I gave best actor to Denara. All right, and uh, worst actor to uh, stinky old Tom Paris. All right. Yeah, I, I can't. I mean. He is definitely playing angry teenager, and um, I think that's literally the direction they gave him on set. You're a real mad teenager. <laughs> and he's like, all right, I'm going to go with it. You guys said it. Uh, I got I, See, the thing is, I have no idea where this arc is going. I know. I know exactly where it's going, and it's... But, like, I know Tom Paris isn't leaving the show, so they're going to have to redeem him somehow, and I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, because you know that... I don't know how you know that. I guess you, it's just you would have had common. I just, knowledge. I just would like it would have been in the book. Like, yeah, you would have known. That Voyager like really hit its stride when Seven of Nine came aboard. Also, and after Tom, Tom Paris left. left, I mean, that probably would have been true. By the way, they probably would have hit their stride if Tom. Yeah, Paris but it seems left. like how could it have gotten worse without <laughs> right. him? Uh, yeah, that's true. So that, since you know that, it does probably feel just like wasting time. It undercuts it for sure. Yeah. Uh, Tuvok said the name of the episode because uh, that's true. But it's just life science. It's not. He says a scene. It's one. a word that comes up a lot in Star Trek. Um, 
why do I remember in this first scene that they're going to like find a way to patch her up and make her not be ugly anymore? I seem to remember Well, that's why that. it's a woman. It's <laughs> exactly right. I seemed to remember that was going to be the main point. And then I said, oh, that's right. They're going to make her a hologram. But most importantly, she'll be kind of pretty. That's what's important. Yeah. Uh, this bitty, uh, she played Carmen in the episode where the crystal entity eats up that colony. You remember Carmen who gets a name and dialogue with Riker in scene one and then she's immediately uh-huh. vaporized by the crystal entity? Uh-huh. I straight up do. But I, when you said that, I pictured Leanne Sue again for no good guy. No, reason. that's not correct. It's not her. She's not an Asian in that one. Yeah. Uh, how you great. are right, though. <clears throat> Sandrine's great. Um, Sandrine seems, and prepare yourself for this, it'll be a bit of a surprise, a bit rapey. Seems rapey in there. Yeah, it does, for sure. That guy comes up and he's real aggressive trying to get with this lady. Uh, the Latin guy you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, this lady had a thing for her uncle, Schmollis. Oh, man, did she really say that? She said that he was nice to her. Yeah. Okay. It's I, I did not get that vibe like I did with Have Alexis you ever heard somebody Vowed. say something like, my uncle was nice to me? No. No, but you Maybe have that's because we have our bad family. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, that's a weird sentence to say. I guess it is. Like, I one, that is. should be a given that your uncle was nice to you. And that you don't elaborate makes it seem like it's a mystery. So, let's let's uh, sidebar here. The only appropriate attitude to have about your uncle is, that guy's a doofus, right? That's the <laughs> best That's the best and only possible attitude, healthy attitude to have about an uncle. Is it because you're weirdly you're weirdly uh, drawn to the side of your father and you assume they must be rivals? Huh. Why is that a natural inclination? Because you're right that it is. That the natural That's... inclination is to think, Michael's a doofus. Because any other, anything else is wrong somehow. Yeah. Well, her uncle was nice to her. No elaboration. So I assumed she had a thing for her uncle. Um, That's because you're living in incest 2018. Oh, yes, that's true. In the incest trends in the media. Thank you, Game of Thrones. Etc. Dexter and everything. Um, also, all pornography is incest pornography now. I don't know why, <coughs> but it is. It's a weird, it's a wonderful society that we've built. It's just, we, we really did. We narrowed down exactly all of the things that sh- that you should do. And that is today. Um... The closed captioning on mine got the song wrong. Did it get it wrong on yours, too, when it said it was the platters with my prayer, but it was really the fucking flamingos with I only have eyes for you? Yeah, so here's the deal. God damn it. Here's the deal with this. It was I only have eyes for you when it aired. Yeah, because I could hear it. On the DVD, they had to replace it. They could get the platters, but they couldn't get the flamingos? Uh, So it, it has to do... This doesn't make any sense. This is it has kind of to do with when really the copyrights off, on the songs are. Oh. Anyway, somehow Netflix is airing the version that aired on TV. Yeah. Not the one that they where they had to use the other one because they couldn't. They didn't have the video rights to use it, but, but they, they have the subtitles the from the DVD. It, it it threw me. I couldn't even concentrate for like ten minutes. I was so mad about it. it. Made me really mad. The flamingos need to get their due, man. That song is fucking fire. Uh, it's a very good song. Anyway. Um, I guess I'd put Paris in the brig after he pushes Chakotay. 
because it did- definitely put his hands on him, which I think makes it a little cloudy, but yes. Well, here's what I'm saying. So I would put him in the brig because it sends a message, right? Yes. And maybe cuts off something nastier in the future. But I don't think I could keep him there for very long for that weak shove. Because Chicote took a dive, and in the NHL, he'd be in the cell next to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> By the way, it would have been great if Jayway did that. If she'd called diving and put a boat <laughs> in called him for diving, yeah. That's what I was now, really hoping uh, for. Tom Paris, you're going to the brig for roughing, and, and Chicote for unsportsmanlike conduct. Unsportsmanlike conduct. And then just wait for the reaction from the bridge, like, oh, no way! <laughs> Ref, you suck. Uh, that's all I had. On the quickies. <clears throat> all right. Uh, next in the order this week is uh, the original series. Mm. Uh, we watched The Apple. That's so good. Uh, Kirk beams down with kind of a big away team to an idyllic tropical planet, Gamma Triangle I-6. And they do actually spend quite a lot of time talking about how great it is. Yes, but their idyllic reverie is broken up by uh, Redshirt's death uh, when a flower shoots him full of poison seeds. Yet another uh, dangerous flower on TOS. Uh... While they're dealing with the arrangements for the body with uh, Scotty up on the ship, he reports that uh, an electromagnetic field from the planet is affecting the antimatter pods of the Enterprise. But it's not a duonetic field or anything. It's not duonetic. Okay. Though it is kind of a mystery field. Maybe it is duonetic, but they haven't invented a word for it yet. They don't know what that is yet. Right. Uh, It's probably not, though, because all the equipment down on the surface still works. Uh, Spock detects subsurface vibrations of the planet that are artificially produced, and also a primitive humanoid is stalking him. Stalking them. Also, that dude's got some uh, uh, primitive troll hair. They uh, they brought a lady down with them. She's a yeoman, and her name is Martha something. I didn't write it down. And uh, Chekhov is all up ons. Uh, I didn't. I I couldn't tell if are they dating already? Because he's I think very the imp- aggressive. Strong implication is that they are dating. Otherwise, uh, he gets his work done quick. That that too. Well, he looks like Davy Jones from the Monkees, so she's into it. He's a hot um, Russian Davy Jones. They uh, move out in the direction of a village that's uh, seventeen kilometers away, which they head off for at a very leisurely pace. Yeah. Uh, and Spock very casually frisbees a rock like 30 feet away. And then it explodes. How, did he know to, how did he know to do that? Why did he throw it so far away is the question. Yeah. It's, uh, it's weird. Uh, Scotty's figured out that a beam coming from the village is what's depleting the antimatter pods. But... Before they can think about or do anything with that, uh, Spock takes one of those flower barrages that's aimed for Kirk and goes down. Yeah, At this point, that. Kirk's had enough of this mission. So he orders them to beam up, but the transporter don't work no more. Luckily, uh, Spock is Vulcanian. So McCoy pumps him full of something, and uh, he comes around again. Yeah, the red shirt straight died, but he's he's all right. And uh, Kirk gives him a little talking to about uh, dumb heroism. Mm-hmm. 
So um, that's all cool. Uh, Storm comes out of nowhere and lightning vaporizes a red shirt. Just straight makes him not exist anymore. That's what happens when you get hit by lightning. Didn't you remember what happened to the North Korean women's soccer team? Did they get hit by lightning? Well, I always like to bring this one up because it's it's some of the most amazing propaganda. They they claim that the reason they lost in a World Cup match that they had some years ago was because the entire team was struck by lightning during practice. And actually, we should all be impressed that they were even out there playing. Um... I mean, that sounds funny, but there was an actual documented incident where lightning hit a soccer field in Africa and killed all of the members of one team. Well, maybe that's what happened with North Korea, and we should be impressed they were out there. Playing. Yeah, I guess I guess so. Hey, this other redshirt Mallory checks in. He has gotten to the village. Okay. His communicator is uh, pretty scrambled, but they seem to think it's an important communication, so they start uh, running to uh, to get there, and when he sees them coming, he starts running towards them, and he steps on uh, one of Spock's rocks and oh, blows boy. up himself. So we're down three red shirts at this point. Damn. It's pretty rough down here, and it gets to Kirk. He has himself a little crisis of conscience here. Yeah, he becomes a real weepy baby about how he uh, he never should have... I don't know what he thought he should have done better. All they did was beam down there. Well... He should have left as soon as that first flower shot, is what he thinks. I thought he tried, and he couldn't beam up anymore. No. See, after the first one, there is one moment where he's like, well, we'll be a lot more careful about those. We should be fine. Oh, well, then, yeah, that's on him. So he's kind of regretting that here. He does say that because he liked the smell of growing things, they, uh, you know, now they're in mortal peril. Right. So at this point, they catch the guy who's been stalking them, and Kirk punches him in the face. He is very sad. Um, but he cries like a little a little child because it turns out he's uh, kind of an innocent living in this paradise. Yeah. Though he also has antenna in his neck, and he speaks on behalf of their god, Vol. Thank you, because what's his name? <laughs> a styrofoam serpent cave. Yes. That is obviously a computer. In uh, a long line of styrofoam serpent caves. Yeah. Of TOS. The, he, they are the feeders of Vol. They take him fruit, and in return, they have paradise. It's not a bad deal, really, if you think about it's, it. It's kind of a good deal. They'll talk about that. Yeah. Don't worry, they talk about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, he was given those antennas in the dim time. Uh, yeah, so that I he could speak that. to Vol. Did they give him that troll hair, too? Is that when they gave it to him? In the dim yes. Time? He has uh, he has funny paint on his face, and he does have uh, white troll hair. Yeah, they all do. Uh, at this point, Scotty calls in with the obligatory clock. Yeah. The Enterprise is caught by a tractor beam. I mean, they really obligatory. Lo- lose orbit in 16 hours. That ship is always falling out of orbit. Orbit is tough. Orbit was very scary in the 1960s, I, I think. So. so, they get to Vol, Vol's cave. They can't get, like, close enough to do anything because uh, there's a big force field around it. Um, but this this old boy, Akuta, says that once Vol gets hungry, th- they'll be able to talk to him. So while they wait for that to happen, they go off to their village. Hmm. Where there are no children and sex is forbidden. It's very important. This, by the way, big deal breaker for everyone in the crew. Everyone who's beamed down is like, 
fuck, fuck this, this place. place. Exactly. Even though they are, we all love proved, sex. They're all we won't, We are very embarrassed about talking about. Yeah, it. Yeah, they cannot talk but about we it. We do at all. super love it. Yeah, we are into it. Um. Also, uh, McCoy discovers that the people never die. Mm, that's why that guy remembers the dead right. times or whatever. Right. So they go to watch the feeding take place, and uh, Kirk and Spock are like, "This is another one of those machines. We've got another machine god." Like this is obvious. We got to still. This is. It feels like a Type Three A machine god to me. That's right. I wrote the book on him. Literally, I really. I did. I wrote. The I, book I mean, on I did. I like. I, I get a nickel every time someone buys one. Um, but they speculate from its behavior that it has pretty limited power reserves, and it's probably vulnerable around uh, feeding time. Seriously, this is the worst group of people Vol could have encountered. They are so experienced with this. They, they are very on the ball about this, and they're like, uh, you know, right after he attacked the Enterprise, he needed to be fed. I think... That's right. And they're just giving him, like, fruits he's not building up a big reserve of energy so like let's make it so they can't feed him no more yeah so there's something so yeah no it it is very the scene in the squire of gothos where they're like "Ah, for real he's looking at that mirror right that's right and then they shoot the mirror it's the same crew here it's very like sulu's not down there with him this time but basically it's the same shit where they like uh, Kirk and Spock are on this right away. They got their ten thousand hours of robot gods. They, they yeah, they're like, hey, we just uh, phasered Apollo's temple from orbit two like, weeks ago or it was whatever. Really recent. <laughs> uh, so let's get the ships. Anyway, about this point, McCoy and Spock have their big argument. Hmm. McCoy thinks that these people are stagnant, and in some sense, they're kind of prisoners of Vol. Like. They're just living this dumb, innocent child life. There's no need for them to ever um, advance in any way. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Spock is like, hey, none of our business, right? Yeah. This is like none of our business. These people live forever and they like seem real happy. And uh, they were very dismissive about sex when we talked about it earlier. Yeah, they didn't seem that tempted. Akuda was like, yes, yes. The touching and the holding. These <laughs> things are forbidden. That. Yeah. And, and, and no one was like. Yeah, why is that? For everyone was like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, don't worry about it, buddy. We I mean, don't care." To be fair, when they see uh, hot Russian Davy Jones and that lady starting to get a little bit frisky, they do try it a little bit. Yeah. So here is the thing: yeah. uh, Chekhov and uh, Martha are so fucking stone horny yeah, that even right. though three people have died today, yep. Oh yeah, they don't give a shit. And the whole ship is going to fall out of the fucking sky tomorrow morning. They cannot help but escape for a little while. They longer. have to go out into the backyard and have a little makeout. Yeah. And uh, a couple of these old uh, children of Vol see this, and then they do a little makeout. Yeah. And that that pisses Vol off. Vol's like, well, it's time to brain him. Vol is hella pissed, and he gives Akuta some instructions, and Akuta gets all the men together, and he tells them they're going to have to kill the prisoners, and he teaches them how to hit Smash someone in the head with a club. Yeah. Yep, exactly. He's like, yeah. uh, here's what they mean by the killing, right? You take, uh, take their, pretend this thing is their head. You you do a smash like this. Yeah, he, then he does his Gallagher routine. Exactly. Uh, he tells them, look, it is a it is a thing to do. Vol has said to do it. Yep. So, at this point, Kirk and Spock have made up their mind. They don't know about this yet, but they've yep. made up their mind. We're going to interfere with this planet. Yeah, well, I mean... 
Kirk made up his mind on that before he ever met anybody. That is true. That I is, mean, it was always what was going to happen. But just, now they've had the discussion officially. Kirk can say, based on my discussion with Spock. Yeah, exactly. In consultation with Dr. McCoy. Right, right. We've decided to interfere with this planet. Mm-hmm. So they go to uh, talk to Vol once more, and uh, Spock gets straight up hit by lightning. Yeah. For no reason. It does nothing. It doesn't kill him the way it kills that red shirt. Volcanians can't be hurt by lightning, dude. Nope. Nope. Um, but on the way back, the villagers launch their sneak attack. Yeah. Uh, they get Marple. Marple's the fourth red shirt. Yeah. They do get him, and I think he does die. It's Down less clear Marple. that he dies, but I think he does die. Well, they smashed his head with a dang old club. Yeah. But otherwise, they are very bad at attacking. And Kirk and Spock have them uh, all rounded up pretty quick. Right. So now they're keeping him prisoner in the hut. Uh, Scotty has been working on trying to reroute all of the power to break away from this shit. And it half works. It gets them away a little further so they have like an extra hour before they die up there. (laughs) And it also weakens Vol pretty badly. So now it's feeding time. But the away team prevents the children of Vol from feeding him. And in addition, Kirk and Spock are like, "All right, let's run a let's run Project Apollo on him again," and yeah. they start shooting the serpent from space with the uh, Enterprise because the phasers still work, I guess. Yeah, and eventually, its sleepy lizard eyes go out. Yep. So uh, Vol's dead. Kirk uh, gathers everyone together and tells them, "Don't worry, you guys are going to learn how to fuck just fine." It's going to. And then good. he leaves. Yeah. Then they just leave. But that's alright, they fixed the society, it's fixed now. Yeah. What uh, is this one about? What's this episode about? No, no right is more sacred than that of self-determination. I don't know, that's what McCoy is so mad about. Uh, That's only a four, because Spock seems to disagree. Yeah. So fair. I don't know what they want us to think. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I could ask that as a question, it would still be worth a four. Yeah. Uh, here's what I thought, and this is what Ben was alluding to earlier. Uh, Exile from Paradise was a gift, and we shouldn't wish to return to it. Okay. It's, uh, kind of like a medium controversial take, so I guess it makes sense to do it as sci-fi. Except that I think that the only people who would really argue for the kind of existence that the children of all have are adult babies, but I think that's sexual. Right. I think the adult baby lifestyle is a sexual thing. I think that's right. So I don't think they really want to return to the Garden of Eden. Right. Uh, Anyway, I thought the take was pretty clear, and that always worth some points. I gave it as many as five. Okay. And uh, Ben on this one says, uh, liberty is more important than comfort. He says it's kind of played out, but they can do it as a more interesting setup because of the science fiction. So he gave it four. All right. Okay. Execution. Go for it. Uh, Kirk decides to interfere with these people, but the actual interference that happens is accidental, and it's the result of his pretty lax discipline. Mm. Like, the interferences, they see Chekhov and that lady kissing. Okay, so that is definitely when Val decides to have them murdered, but he's already killed a few of them by then, and he's holding the ship hostage. Yeah. So, I don't know what choice they have, but to... Unless Vol's going to give them back their ship and somehow compensate them for killing those people. 
I don't see that they have much of a choice but to interfere, really. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the attitudes in this show. Like, uh, I... This one comes off pretty heteronormative. Yeah. Now, but it... It actually might have been considered, like, maybe a little bit sex positive, even, in the 60s. Yeah, I think they were being like, well, don't be such don't be such prude, just have sex. It's fun. Also, I find it very cute how embarrassed all of these adults and scientists and doctors are every time they have to talk about sex on this show. The the biology of Vulcan's speech from um, Amok Time is much better. Yeah. But uh, there is a thing where it seems like... <sighs> Does the yeoman not know how sex is? I, I, or... wasn't, I wasn't sure Spock did. Is she trying... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Spock is she trying really to get them to explain it because she knows that they'll be nervous about it and she thinks it's funny? I wasn't sure what was happening exactly in that scene, it was but I do find it cute the way they have to talk about it for 1967. Yeah, it was like a real, like, leave it to Beaver, like, music and the, like, silly music playing and everyone stuttering, like, oh, well, well you see, uh, when, uh, the, because of the, the, bio, the biologies, and, uh, and you're just like, oh, okay, I get it, guys. It's the 60s and you can't say sex words on TV. You can't say a word like penis. You can't penis. say penis, right? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> this episode has two big problems. Number okay. one, nothing that happens in this episode is anyone's fault or the result of any deliberate decision. I always hate that. Yeah, that's a real bummer. Number two, this is all very well-covered ground. Just oh, yeah. in... TOS. If you, oh, yeah. you don't have to think about any of the others that we talk about every week, just in the original series episodes. I mean, I've talked about the Squire of Gothos. Oh yeah. Uh, we didn't talk about Landru. Landru is the obvious parallel. Yep. It's a computer that runs everyone's idyllic lives. At least in that one, they have carnival uh, or whatever, where where you're like, oh, this is the downside of that. And there's no downside in this one. They just don't yeah. get to fuck, but like they don't seem to care. Yeah, and Spock points it out over and over again. They're fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, we just they just killed Apollo or convinced yeah. Apollo to leave the get out of the hell out of our galaxy a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, the Enterprise is always falling out of orbit. Yeah. The, the main thing that's different about this episode than the other episodes is two crew members of the ship appear to have an actual relationship. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, also, way more people die. Yeah, if it got up to four, that's kind of a lot. Four's a lot. There's 400 people on the ship. He lost four of them today. Yeah. That's going to be a rough report. I wonder. I wonder if he'll even write it. I wonder if anyone it's will ever know. Not. No, I mean, I'm sure he will write it and launch it in a beacon in case anything happens to the Enterprise. <laughs> uh, I gave it four points for execution. I think just a four today. I thought that I think that's a little generous based on your, <laughs> your second problem, which is that it's a complete retread. Once this uh, it comes, is, it's not worse than any of those other ones, though. It's just the same time. I'm just, I'm, but I'm, ti- I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it, dude. Once <laughs> this thing got started and it was obvious we were looking at another retread plot, I totally lost focus. For one thing, it's hard to watch the same thing every week. Some powerful entity is controlling these people's development. No advancement in thousands of years. It's making. Prisoners of the away team and the ship in orbit is in trouble and eventually they'll shoot their way out. It's just, it's, there's not much to it. And that's disappointing that we have to see this episode after episode. Like, can't they fucking, when you think of Star Trek, you think of, um, grand campy sci-fi takes and it turns out they didn't really have any. 
Just, I mean, they just, like, they didn't have a lot to say, it turns out. They've got, like, one more coming up, and it's racism is bad. Yeah. And it's like, they're going to do that take. But I think they only do it once. Yeah. I gave it a two. I just got, I'm just, I'm really tired. If we have to have another one of these, like, next week, I'm going to be really mad. Uh, that's a good question. What is next week? Oh, uh, no, next week's a, another, a very, very great episode. Okay. That'll probably be very fun to watch. It's but it's it's a Cold War episode. Oh, okay. A, it's the Doomsday Machine. That's a, I love that. It's an excellent episode. You've got a crazy flag officer. It won't be as excellent with these uh, newfangled graphics, but I think they still make it look the same. Oh, okay, good. The, well, I mean, the phaser effects will probably be better. I say that's bad. They will look like cartoon bubbles coming <laughs> off of the surface. Any, anyway. <laughs> Well, it still look like a big bugle in space. That's what's important. Um, as down as you were on the execution, and yeah. uh, uh, Ben gave it a five, saying Whoa. that it just does lip service to the philosophical part of the question, and Kirk just does what he assumes is right. That's always what Kirk does. Without really engaging with the philosophy of it, which that's fair, fairly true. Um, where, where, How'd they do on world building? Well, there wasn't much, was there? They're just on this dang old planet the entire time. Um Gamma Trianguli four or six? I don't remember. You can't just write the name of the planet. That's nothing. I mean, you can write it. It's just not worth any points. Spock seems to have a number in mind when Kirk asks him how much he thinks Starfleet has invested in him. Yes. What is the economy? Yeah, and by the way, it's like 130,000 of whatever. Of something. So, it's like, yeah, it's a good question. Then I have nothing that happens on this planet will matter next week. That's true. I gave it one. I mean, next week is definitely not going to start at a funeral for the four people who were killed. No, those guys get no funeral. <laughs> That's it. They probably didn't even take them with them. They just left their bodies out in the I mean, forest. They, they talk about beaming the body up a little bit, like, right right in, after the first death. So, like, there's actually more done there than has been done since Galileo 7, mm-hmm. when those guys made a real big deal about not wanting to leave the dead bodies on that planet and almost got killed by that I want to sleep with the dead bodies. I want to lay on them and no one's going to come near them. Okay, cu- uh, a couple, couple of things here. There's okay. a couple of things did that you, happened that you, you recorded, didn't pick up on, probably because you, you tuned out. Did you record my one? Yes, you, you gave it. A, you gave it as many as I one just point. To make sure. Okay. Uh, scout ships. They're here because a scout ship picked this planet up. It didn't stay. Apparently, I definitely did not remember. That. But they're following up on a scout ship. The okay. little peak of the economy you talked about. Uh, Kirk has some leeway in carrying out his orders. Like, they were ordered to come here, and Spock tries to comfort him with that, and he says, yes, but I can I can ignore that order if it becomes dangerous to the crew. Yeah, we already know how Kirk feels about orders. Right. So, th- but there is, he has some legal position on this, where yeah. he can refuse an order if it's, if it's dangerous. I've, I think I've said five times during the course of this project that a general in the field can disobey even the Emperor. That is definitely the way Starfleet operates in Kirk's time. Also, a general in the field cannot be recalled. That's true. Although, not in the Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Yes. I wish so, John Way had known that. If John Way had known that, maybe fucking the Shuhan Kingdom would have survived. So, I, I, when you throw those things in, I actually gave it the standard three. Because there's a little uh, bit about how Starfleet operates in here. Hmm. And that is something that Star Trek always hides, tries to hide from us. Yeah, I wasn't sure that part was new, though, because I thought that's how Kirk always does his thing. Just by just being like... Unless there's a Commodore sitting right there with him. <laughs> he's not. He's In which just, case, that's the villain. 
That's the villain, and he will follow his orders, but he will shoot daggers at him with his eyeballs. Um, but that's how he always runs his show. You know, he he he's he really has a, a wide latitude out there. Ben gave it a two for world building, so he's right between us. Okay. Uh, you did not like this episode, is what I'm hearing. Uh, well, the rubric didn't, and also I didn't. <laughs> okay, uh, let's just let's swing right into characterization here. Okay. <laughs> we get another Jim moment from Spock when he rushes in to save him. Yeah, he's he really likes this guy. Uh, this is the most self-doubting we've seen Kirk since he was split in half by a transporter accident. That doesn't really... I mean, does, yeah, we're not going to count that, though, because he's yeah. missing his um, angry savage part, which he needs to be a good captain. So far, he's at two... Uh, Computer overlord slash powerful beings talked to death, and two merely destroyed by phasers. <laughs> so he's 50-50 on resolving these situations. Thank you for doing the math on that. Yeah. We're going to have to keep that tally going, so I'm glad yeah, to yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm, that's just the ones that he has destroyed. Of the, <laughs> of the myriad powerful entities that he's either convinced to let him go or who have just fucked off into the universe, that's, like, like, that's a like, different like, category. Uh, Trelane, who just gets recalled. Like Trelane, parents. whose parents are mad at him. Or Charlie X, who... Um... Uh, the, the people who gave him his powers taken back. That's right. He's also recalled. Yeah. He's recalled, yeah. He, he and Trelane are recalled. Yeah. Uh, Apollo's temple is destroyed. I did count that one here. Then yeah, he fucks counts. off into the universe. He wouldn't That's have fucked fine. off if his, if, his, uh, if his thing hadn't been blown yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Landru was talked yeah. to death. Yes. Uh, the probe was talked to death. Yes, it was. And uh, the computer, the nuclear war computer was just blown up with a phaser. Yeah. So that's where we are on those. Uh, they're starting to give Chekhov some scenes, but so far the only thing that's emerging as a character trait for him is that he likes to pretend historical events happened in Russia. I'm, I don't hate that. I it's, don't hate it. It would be cute. It's not enough. It'd be cute if it was more tongue in cheek. It's not clear yet that he doesn't really truly believe, believe those things. <laughs> um, Maybe he's a simpleton. Yeah. If, if it was an obvious joke that he was doing, I, I think I kind of would like what it said about how that, that crew all interacted because he's the most junior member of his ship, of the yeah. ship, and they're all letting him do this joke. That's true, yeah. Uh, I give it a four for characterization. Okay. Um, what kind of engineer is Scotty that he's got messed up antimatter pods and he wants to go down to the planet and like enjoy its splendor? That sure did suck. What the hell, Scotty? Uh, a work? horny engineer. He probably also has a crush on that yeoman. Yeah, he probably knew Chekhov was going to move in on her. He's like, I got to get down there and probably get her drunk. I mean, that's really, that's probably his plan. Yeah, I that think is that's usually his, his plan. Tactic. Uh, and then I have Jesus Chekhov, more of a creeper even than Bones. There are so many candidates for creeper. I didn't even say Scotty. The whole I ship is creepers. Bones. <laughs> By the way, a thing we didn't talk about at all in that Voyager episode is that uh, the disastrous medical ethics. Oh, like, yeah. he definitely should not be dating his patient. That's all. No one mentions that. No one's like, hey, um, if you're going to learn to be human, there's just, we got a thing called ethics. And um, we thought it was programmed into you, but it wasn't. So we have to tell you about it. Yeah, when he went to talk to Paris and Paris figured out what was going on, he should have said, okay, but focus mm -hmm. on Kess. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. She's right there. You've already touched both of her feet. So, I mean, really, that, you're halfway that's correct. there. Um, 
again, I thought Kirk's self-blame was pretty weird. It didn't seem like he'd done anything super unreasonable, but I guess I didn't remember he had an opportunity to beam them out of there after the flower attacked them. Yeah, by the way, not clear if they could have beamed out. Yeah. At that yeah, point. Yeah, they might have already been... Uh, but he was... A guy had died, and he was like, okay, we know about these poisonous plants now. Everyone be careful, and we're going to be just fine. Okay, yeah, that's, that is incredibly stupid. Um, yeah. But I love the quote. I had to follow orders. Always orders. <laughs> it's like... Ah, oh, that was a real fucking... What a whiny baby he was right there. <clears throat> Another Trumpian quote from Kirk. It's called freedom. You'll like it. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's called freedom. You'll like it a lot. Uh, Spock, was, Spock was fine in this. He kept making reasonable points about, um, hey, these people seem like they're just like trying to get by. And they're doing yeah. okay. They're doing their business. Um, and I started with Scotty just to go back to Scotty he was really depending on Kirk this entire episode to save him up there he oh, didn't yeah. come up with one idea he just kept nothing he did Kirk. up there was effective at all he kept calling Kirk going what do I do now and it's like ah oh, what happened to the cool Scotty from that one episode where he was in charge and their a- asshole Commodore was around yep. or ambassador or whatever he was oh, that was a, he was cool in that episode Um, yeah I thought everyone was kind of a douche I gave him a three all right. So, boy, it's uh, just, again, I haven't done the math. Just looking at this matrix so far, it's not clear to me who's ahead. It's, it's, it's kind of a tough one. Yeah. Uh, it's clear that it's not Enterprise, which has demonstrably lower scores. Yeah. Enterprise uh, fucking sucked this week. Well, that, uh, yeah, but I couldn't tell you just by looking at these columns of numbers whether DS9 or Voyager was winning the week so far. We do have one more. Uh, oh, sorry, quick hitters. What am I doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we should do the quick hitters. You must have quick hitters for this. Yeah. Be crazy not to. Uh, we got the patented evil flowers, very TOS. Remember the ones that jizzed all over everybody in that other episode? Ah, uh, that is correct. Um, worst actor, this blonde chick? <clears throat> yeah. Sounded so bored when she exclaimed that the shit going on was frightening. She's like, it's frightening. To the tone of, I'm evil. Um... As we've discussed, every episode uh, is Trap Landing Party, Enterprise in Danger Above. I guess they only made one episode, but like a hundred times. Hey, weird that they didn't get any better at making it. No. And then at one point I would go, oh yeah, I remember these weird troll people. <laughs> I definitely, that guy's, my, I had an image of that guy in my head. Yeah, he's one of the guys you think of when you think uh, of Star Trek. And then uh, Prudes of the 23rd Century. Exciting TV. <laughs> Everyone stand around and like, talk around sex. Well, yeah, yeah. You guys know what what the sex is, right? What a man and a woman, and no other combination. It's just love men each and other. women, and they have to be in love. It's important. Um, and probably then get there, married. There's some ceremony that makes her legally his property. That also is very important. Once that he owns her, and a dowry has been paid, yeah, a a baby shows up. Um, so that's all I had. <sighs> Uh, when the guy dies, Kirk looks up, the first guy, Kirk looks up and says, did somebody say paradise must have looked like this? <laughs> Dialogue monster. <laughs> does, does anyone go, no, no, because that's a uh, weird way to say that. Spock throwing that rock away was so un-Spock-like physically that I would have been surprised if it hadn't exploded. <laughs> the only thing I couldn't immediately tell was whether the rock had exploded itself or, like, hit a landmine. 
like it would have been more surprising if it had just landed with a thud. He picks it up, he breaks it in half, talks about it, says it might have remarkable properties, and then fucking hurls one half of it as far away as he okay, can so for how no are reason. Okay, so how do you usually tell if a rock is remarkable? Don't you throw it? I mean, I might try to skip it if there was a pond or something. If I pick up a rock, and this happens, I don't know, two or three times a week, and I go, this could be a remarkable rock. There's only one test, and that's just hurl, just hurl that uh-huh. fucker. Uh... When the transporters are not working, Scotty says, we couldn't beam up a fly. That seems like it'd be harder than beaming <laughs> up a whole person. They're fucking tiny. They're always moving around. Yeah, it seems like it's, it's not what your transporters are calibrated for. Hard to get a lock on one of those fuckers. Uh, at the end, this lady is laughing now about kids, but uh, she's going to hate Kirk in nine months when she's trying to push a nine pound baby out. Well, yeah, because everyone was too prudish to explain how the whole thing worked. They did not tell her about that at all. Yeah. Uh, and then finally at the end, are there a lot of depictions of Satan that look like Spock? Does the I devil have know. pointy ears? I mean, are those supposed to be like his horns? I don't know. I, I don't know. But um, he definitely understood what was happening. Yeah. He knew he was being bagged on. I give best actor to Grumpy Spock. Okay. And worst actor to Yeoman whatever, so we agreed okay. on that case. Yeah, she she was not amazing out there. Uh, and with that, the last thing, uh, or the top winner last week, last in the order this week, is The Next Generation. Uh, we watched. We watched The Measure of a Man. Alrighty, so I was definitely looking forward to this one the most last week. Um, all right, they get to Starbase One Seventy Three for some I don't know routine maintenance or something, and um, a little Japanese admiral beams on board. He wants to look at Enterprise, and he brought along uh, Commander Maddox. No, no, you know the name of that admiral. Uh, it's, uh, Admiral Yamamoto. <sighs> he's a famous. He's a famous admiral. It's Nakamura. Oh, Nakamura. Yeah, I knew that. <clears throat> admiral Nakamura. Again, I'll say noticeably tiny. Not, and I, he is very small. Not, and I always get this mixed up. Admiral Nagura, and that is the admiral who pulls McCoy out of retirement at the beginning of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Ah, uh, okay. They got a cup. They got a history of Japanese admirals in yeah. uh, in Star Trek. There's a history of them in uh, in real life too. It is true. Uh, anyway, he brings uh, his little uh, cyberneticist uh, commander Bruce Bruce Maddox. It's Bruce, right? It is Bruce Maddox. Bruce I don't Maddox. think it matters, but it is Bruce um, Maddox. He brings him along almost as like an afterthought. He doesn't even remember he's there, and then he's like, uh, "Oh yeah, uh, thanks for letting me look at your bridge. Also, this guy's going to take your android." Uh, and everyone's like, wait, what? Huh? And it turns out uh, the guy, uh, I guess he was on Data's weird admissions committee to the Academy. Right. And then he got like a thing in his head about how he wanted to make another Data. Yeah, he got a real bug up his butt. And this also doesn't seem like great ethics, but he just made it his life's mission to make a new Data. Because uh, he met him one time. And, oh, yeah. It um, seems like a conflict of interest that they never talk about. Yeah. And so, anyway, he has convinced Admiral Nakamura to just give him data so he can take him apart, learn how his whole body and brain works, 
and then build some more datas. Yeah, one data per ship. It's the mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, he's well, that's definitely the example he uses later on. He's like, imagine a data on every ship. I'd be like, why not 50 data? On all those class six Mirandas running around? They got a whole data on there being wasted? Imagine putting a data on that place where they send Aquiel. His position is ship's forklift. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, Data and Picard sit down with Maddox and they're like, all right, tell us what's the deal here. He's like, I'm going to take Data apart. I'm going to build more Data's. Data's like, oh, cool. So there's this one part on my brain that's very hard for people to figure out how to make. That only soon could do it, but apparently he never told nobody how to do it. Did you need to learn how to do it? And the guy goes, nah. Nah, but once I'm looking in there. But if I look in there, I'll probably figure it out. And I think I can it. reverse engineer this while your hand's <laughs> taken apart. And Data's like, mm, yeah, I don't know if I trust you to take me apart and put me back together again. This doesn't sound safe. I don't think I want to do this. And the guy's like, well, well you know, too bad. Tough. Here's the orders. Yeah, here I have them orders. on a pad. I brought you them on have, a separate pad that only has these orders on it. You have been transferred to me. So Data goes, all right, well, um, this is bullshit. Picard goes to see uh, Philippa, Philippa Lavoie, who he met in the teaser. Um, yeah, she's the JAG officer she, Yeah, she's the JAG in this sector, and um, they, I guess they totally used to fuck. But also, she prosecuted him for uh, the loss of the Stargazer in a way that he found overzealous. He, I guess And a- damaged her career. Apparently. So I think people probably agreed. I think uh, maybe it didn't end well between them, and then she got assigned to court-martial his ass. Because, Mm. uh, well, anyway. Um, Uh, Listen, we're going to never stop talking about this. We don't have to to live here. (laughs) That's right. So he goes to see her, and she goes, well, there's always options. I mean, he could just, you know, resign. So Data's like, ah, shit, fuck, I guess I'm going to fucking resign. Well, turns out, um, Maddox. Right, Maddox is one step ahead of him there. Yeah, he is going to court on this shit, and he's like, no, he can't resign because he's Starfleet's property. And as yes, Starfleet, it's a wild assertion, by the way. Yes, I don't understand exactly where he thinks he has grounds on, to stand on on this, but anyway, they're going to have a hearing to determine whether or not Data is Starfleet's property to determine what his rights are. Can he just resign and go away? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, but guess what? She just got out here, and she ain't got a staff. And rather than, like, send a staff, she's got or these... send everybody to a place where there is one. Right, or send them somewhere else. She, she's got her um, back, emergency backup orders, which are to make the uh, ranking officers uh, around be the, the lawyers in this case. And as the ranking officer, Picard gets to be the, um, the defense attorney guy. And he's like, fuck yeah course yeah i'd be glad to do that i'll defend data and then she looks at Riker, and she's like that makes you prosecution and Riker's like i'm not gonna do that i don't even believe this shit i don't think data's a, a robot well i think he's i mean a, he's a robot but you know like, what i mean he's like a cool robot and there's a distinction <laughs> but so Riker is basically forced into it because he whistles if, pop goes the weasel <laughs> Riker's told that if he doesn't do it she'll just uh, find in maddox's favor so so, so let's just stop here. She has already ruled in Maddox's favor. Yeah, yeah. She's like, okay, yeah. Uh, Picard uh, is appealing. Yes, she's she has uh, done the research in one minute or whatever. Based on the act, the 21st century, the acts of Cumberland in the 21st century. I get to it in world building. Um, she, yes, she. It's I don't know how much time is supposed to have passed, but she's already done the research and she says yes, Data is uh, Starfleet's property, and so they're gonna that yes, that is what the trial is about. They're going to challenge that. Um. So Riker is forced into taking on the uh, uh, Maddox's case. On this By the point. way, I, th- I found it weird and 
and I was uncertain about it, that she characterizes it as prosecution. Yeah, like the, like really the title of this trial is going to be Starfleet v. Data. <laughs> exactly right. I mean, that's what it is, but that's not how they would represent it. Yeah. Um, that, so then uh, prep for the trial uh, begins, and they, they, they get to it. Uh, Riker gets to make his arguments, um, and he comes up with some um, compelling stuff, like he asks Data to bend a big metal bar. Yep, and uh, he takes Data's hand off and like shows everyone he's got a big robot hand, and then he turns Data off because Data has been walking around telling everybody about his off switch for years. <laughs> it's fucking in his files. That's wild. Yeah, I, why is he acting like it's? A, you remember the episode of News Radio? <laughs> I love bringing up News Radio <laughs> on this, where Matthew told Dave in privacy that he was a virgin. Yes. But then Catherine comes in and he tells Catherine that he's a virgin and, and Dave's yeah. trying to make sure that no one that everyone's sensitive about it, but then he just yells and he out calls everyone in to tell them that he's a virgin. Right. That's data with his off switch. <laughs> it's supposed to be a secret, but he tells literally every single person. Yeah. Um anyway, so Riker's God, that's such a good show. Okay. <laughs> Riker's just he's he's scoring points out there. He's fucking he's lawyer and like lawyer Johnson. That's a character I just created, but it's a good one. And hey, hold on, I've been listening to a bunch of old Jordan Jesse goes, and on more than one occasion, they've had people on who have talked about doing shows with the Upright Citizens Brigade. And apparently, mm. the Upright Citizens Brigade used to ask people at live shows before every show by show of hands. Okay, everyone who has ridden an elephant, raise your hand. Mm-hmm. Everyone who has been sexually assaulted by Andy Dick, raise your hand. And it's always. <laughs> The same number of people. It's always like three or four people have been both. No matter where, like not in LA, not in New York, no matter where they are. It's always sort of the same number of people. That is not surprising because he is the main creep. He he is a mess. He's just a mess of a person. Um, so Riker makes his argument. He thinks it's going, going pretty good. Picard thinks it's going pretty good too. He has to have a little, uh, a little break and go talk to Guinan. He's got to have a drink and talk to Guinan. And Guinan kind of does her Guinan thing and leads him into the a new way to frame this argument and maybe the way it needs to be framed, which is what are the consequences of like a whole species of datas? Yes. Of like a whole bunch of datas that they use to do all the shit they don't want to do. Like um, a subservient class. Yeah. Of disposable people. And exactly. what does that sound like? And she's, because they trust the audience and she trusts her audience, she doesn't just tell him. She waits for Picard's light bulb to go on and he's like, oh, shit, you're talking about the S word, slavery. That is correct. Uh, so he now has the right idea to go in and, and frame his argument. And you get some real good Patrick Stewart in the courtroom. Oh, he does very good stuff. It, that that scene, that act is very good. Even the guy who plays Maddox, who is a mustache twirling villain <laughs> yeah. in Acts One and Two, is he is so good at squirming on the stand yeah. when Picard runs through this with him. Yeah, like it's very good. So Picard asks Maddox what his uh, what his definitions of of sentient life are essentially, and tries to. You know, work in how he, how data might qualify for those things. But he eventually lands on the great law and order 
strategy of just kind of pointing around the room at people and shouting, <laughs> Do shouting, you? shouting one question over and over again. And makes, uh, I do agree that Maddox, the guy who did Maddox, played Maddox did a good job, except for in this one part where he is supposed to almost say something and not. And it looks like he swallows his fucking, he swallows his fucking tongue or something. Yep. He goes, <laughs> like he can't say anything. <laughs> anyway. And uh, <clears throat> I guess it is a rousing uh, argument that um, basically, essentially what he's saying is be really careful what you do here, because if you uh, decide that data is just property, that could have far reaching implications for all kinds of um, um, artificial intelligence and alien life and things like that. And we should be really careful about how we are, um, how we're classifying people so that we don't end up with this problem that Guinan told me about a couple hours ago. That's right. And uh, and then, uh, so they win the case, and Maddox is like, oh, I'm really sorry, I was being a dick. Uh, I'll uh, I'll take back those orders, uh, ordering your transfer here. You don't That's right, because the technical ruling is... He can resign. He can resign. Yeah, but the yeah. guy's like, all right, well, then I, if I can't get you anyway, then no, you know. No harm, no foul, man. I'm not 100% shitty. I was heavily whining earlier about... My, my right, not to have my yeah. life's work disrupted. <laughs> what a dick. Um, and then everyone's real happy, except for Riker. Because in one of my favorite, all, all-time favorite Star Trek scenes, Data, <laughs> Data comes in and finds Riker sulking. Because <laughs> Riker like, is I did it so good, dog. I did Riker's so, so good. that he now has a new career as, as bad guy lawyer. Dog, it's like, I'm a fucking law genius. I did out, not know. Turns out, I'm so good, it's, it's evil. I'm so good at scary data, don't you understand? I'm and, frightened of myself. And data, I think, humoring him, goes, uh, yeah, it was really scary out there for a while. I thought you had me. Yeah, I thought we were definitely going to be mm-hmm. in trouble because you're so good at the lawyering. But why I'm not, go? I'm not just coming here to invite you to my party because I literally <laughs> don't hold grudges. That's right. I was, By the way, they just showed it because I was nice to Maddox at the end of that last scene. Yep. He's like, hey, uh... There's cake, Riker. You should come have some cake. It'll be okay. And because it's Riker, he's, I think he's hardened by that, that he'll get yeah. cake at the end. Um, yeah, he knows that Russia carbs is going to make him feel better. It's just, it's purely emotional eating. Regardless of how this scores on our rubrics, I will say that I enjoyed this episode from start to finish. Oh, yeah, I would watch it's it 40 more full times. of TNG small touches that I yep. enjoy. Uh, and it was just like a really focused episode on a, an issue that was important to a main character, and it was good. So. Can I can I start with a quick hitter here, like sure. right at the beginning? Yeah. Apparently on the Blu-ray, there's 15 extra minutes of this episode. I also read that on Wikipedia. That a bunch I have never footage. wanted to own those fucking Blu-rays more than to know that I could watch the 57-minute cut of this. I do kind of want to go Lord of the Rings and see how much extra footage there is on those. Yeah. Is it just that episode? Is there other extra footage? I want to see extra footage. I've seen these episodes 900 but, times. But I mean, it's not just like a deleted scenes. Or I've watched Star Trek blooper reels on YouTube sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're funny. funny. I like it. But like, uh, there's a cut of this episode that's yeah. 57 minutes. That's so not just saying. the irregular episode and then here's a bunch of deleted scenes. Yeah. They cut a full hour version of it. So I want to see all the extra content. Yeah. All right. What was uh, this thing about, dude? It's about something. We know it's about something. Okay, so it's about... uh, So it's... Act in accordance with your principles and be on the right side of history. Okay. Maddox is making a shitty argument here. Yes. 
his argument is not consistent with the spirit of the Federation, right? So there's some technicality under which data is salvage is my best guess. Yeah. They found him. It's finders keepers. Yeah. Um, clearly they've already overlooked that once they already made the decision to admit him to the Academy, which is not something you do of property. Exactly. You wouldn't need to make him an officer. You would just put him out there in, in the uniform and keep us puts him in and just be done with it. They already adhered to the spirit of the Federation once over the letter of the law. Yeah. But now because of a Maddox's shitty position, he wants to undo that. Which, by the way, is, is what, you know, a very good reason that Picard does not let them stipulate to uh, Data's various accomplishments. He's like... Maddox's, you mean? No, no, remember in the very beginning, they do both. Oh, why so Data won't let them... When they're like, when yes. they start to play Data's all of Data's medals and everything, and Riker goes, we'll, we'll stipulate to this. And then Picard goes, no, no, I, I want this. I want this on the record. Yeah. Because it's like, this is the guy that you're claiming is property. He's the guy yeah. that not only you He's got into the Academy. some wild awards, by But the he way. won all of the medals. I don't know what the Star Cross is. I'm Sounds not sure cool. what the equivalent of that is. But the other ones are definitely like, Data basically has the Medal of Honor. Yeah. I'd like to know what that story was. Yeah, for sure. It was in one of the 15 years he's been a lieutenant commander that he hasn't been promoted. <laughs> right. Um, but the crux of the argument here that he uses to win the case is that what, they're, what they would end up doing to Data, and by extension, all artificial life, is not Federation. Yeah. Like, it's against the spirit of the thing. And that is the winning argument, right? Yeah. This is not, uh, this clearly is not meant to be an episode about how we deal with artificial intelligence. No, although, again, who knows if we'll ever have to worry about things like this. Yeah. So, this has got to be an episode about using larger principles to guide your everyday decisions. Okay. And I that's a good take, and it's very consistent with the take that I had for last week mm. about doing your job in the right spirit. Yes. Uh, and it's what I like about Star Trek. It's a, it's seven for me. This is a seven point take. I gave it a seven as well, though. I, um, I went with Guinan on this one. I have um, one judgment against the rights of the individual might mean the suppression of the rights of all. Yeah. So yeah. I went with sort of the legal aspect of this episode as the take. And again, I think the Guinan conversation is kind of the crux of the whole thing. Yeah, the episode turns. She frames it for Picard. Yes. Picard is... He knows why it's wrong and he can't put his finger on it. There's a scene in the beginning where he half-heartedly tries to tell Data... Yes, just do it. Just go along with it. You know, if this works, this could be great. Yeah. And Data says, you are being a racist. Yeah, and and Picard goes, It's (laughs) Clearly, it is a revelation that makes Picard uncomfortable and from that point on he's on data's side but he it's just feeling for him until yes, he think has this talk with God. for sure he knows it's wrong and he cannot elaborate right he's like and i know I think this is bad knew, i just don't know why he knew it was wrong before that but he was still trying to justify it somehow well he was trying so, to make it go away i think i think he was yeah something like that he's like look let's just do this it'll probably be fine right um this is the time to play this, I guess. Ben's pick of the week. 
Hi, this is Ben Town, your remote Star Trek edition correspondent with my pick of the week. Pick of the week. Ben gave it a 7-2 with yet a third take. Oh, interesting. Triple sevens, but all different. He says, choice is the ultimate expression of freedom and self. Data's choices are taken away one by one. Yeah. But Riker's choices are also taken away. If we're gonna if we're gonna put shattered Riker into the uh, <laughs> into the a plot here, like on the top level, then yes, I, I, yeah, yeah, um, which is interesting. I hadn't really thought about that parallel. I mean, I think that yeah, I think that works with the episode though. Also, incidentally, uh, Riker does his job. Yeah, he does. I mean, he, does, he really he's does. Very clear that he doesn't want to do it. Yeah. But he has to do it, and it's his only chance, and he does his job. And not only that, well, we'll talk about this when we get to execution here in a minute. We make I always make fun of Riker because he's, like, he's so sad in the end that he's like, oh, my God, I was just too good at being yeah, a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. But he does send Picard crawling to Guinan, so. Yeah, that is, first of all, that is bad writing. That's not, that's not Frakes' fault on this one. Yeah. Um, that scene, when he discovers the off switch... There's no words, right? Yeah. And Frakes smiles. He's like, oh, Because he knows he's got his argument. And then you see behind his eyes what it means that he's done to Data. And then his face falls. It's such good face acting from a guy who is normally kind of a ham. (laughs) He sucks, yeah. (laughs) Let's be honest. He's not good. Like, he does a lot of face acting later on, but it's usually, (laughs) what is this? Yeah, it's outrageous stuff. Um, yeah, you're right. He, uh, he, in he, because he's Riker, he can't just bury that evidence. He's just like, boom. Yeah, I but he's this. gonna do that. He's gonna do his fucking job. Yeah. Um, and also when Picard gives his winning speech in Act Three, you see just the littlest smile on Riker's face. Yeah. As he realizes that he's gonna lose this argument, but that his friend's not gonna be disassembled or whatever. Yeah. So good stuff there. Good uh, Riker episode in, in a in a B or C plot kind of like in a like he is not as important as Data or even Picard in this episode, right. but he's does a good job. He, so he, he does very well. Great Picard speeches. Yeah, but it's, when Picard gets to really let loose with a fucking speech, it's always so good. Uh, this, it's just I like they okay, just fucking so... got Patrick Stewart, and they're like. This dude needs to be giving a speech about every third episode where he shouts at someone, and you're like, but he is right, though. But, okay, so had they figured that out yet? Is this the sort of the beginning of the trend of Picard speeches? Because I know we had one in Justice. Yes, Justice is pretty good. Justice is not bad. I'm trying to think of how many we've had, because he's kind of, he's largely been... So, season one, it took him a long time to figure out this wasn't a show about Riker. So I think that that hurt them a little bit. Um conspiracy it's not so much one great speech but when he finally shuts it down not yeah. conspiracy the fucking um which one are you thinking of the, well the first one where remick tours the ship oh yeah where, uh, uh coming of age coming of age which was another one we both liked uh when he finally finally shuts down that that's good Obviously, we've got some fucking amazing ones coming up we already yeah. talked about i think uh, maybe this might be the one where they went Oh, this episode about Data is a really good Picard episode. Yeah, where they went, whoops. Yeah. What did we do here? Um, uh, by the way, perfect use of Guinan in this one. Guinan smokes it. Uh, I did not like Guinan as a character when we were watching it when they were live. Well, she seems almost like magic. Yes. In a lot of ways. 
Um, but so far in season two, with the obvious exception of the uh, comedian arc, yeah, uh, I've I've really liked Guinan. Well, um, again, we've talked about it. It's also a grudging um, acceptance that Whoopi Goldberg is an actor. Yes, that's right. That they have just, <laughs> There's a couple of things. Happening. The show has two or three actors on it. Every time yeah. you see them do some acting, you're like, "Oh, right, oh, acting, acting is a talent. Is, acting's a talent. Some people have only it, some people have, and almost no one in Star Trek has it." Yeah, it's like every time, it's like, it's like in season one, you're like, "Why is Jordy so good?" Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, right, he's actually an actor. He knows how to do the acting. He did that's Roots, great. and people liked him in that. Like, and that was a big, yeah, that could have gone bad, and he did that one good." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, great use of Guinan. I know that's this is not character. This is like this is execution here. Yeah. Uh, I thought the worst aspect of this episode is how mustache twirling Maddox is, and then I also think that the cold open with the poker kind of undercuts Data's case a little bit because he's definitely a machine who doesn't get poker. Yeah, but I um, I wonder if he's supposed to be learning in that scene. It's like that's all part of the data looking for the human condition or whatever. I mean, it's cer- it certainly is. And later, there's a scene that you didn't even mention because there's so much happening in this episode yeah. where Maddox just fucking barges into his room rudely. Yeah. And he talks, data talks to him about poker there a little bit. Like he didn't. And the guy's like, oh shit, this guy. And it's about, about how he too. thought he understood something, but it turned out he didn't. And that's what's going on with Maddox. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's like. He's using it as evidence against Maddox. Right. But I also felt like, uh, and by the way, no one, we didn't even say O'Brien's name. Yeah. But O'Brien gets invited to the, po- we'll talk about O'Brien's at the poker game here. I hope you have two hours because we're talking about <laughs> That's <episode>. right. <laughs> Listen, we made it through the first uh, four episodes in only two and a half hours, so. <laughs> by the we, way, my, my execution starts, small touches, we can just wing this discussion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> I'm really not going to, I'm not right? going to type all day, like. Uh, so, uh, so the two weaknesses is their normal anti-science stuff really lands on Maddox in this one. Yeah. And uh, I felt like the cold, the cold open undercut Data a little bit okay. uh, here. But frankly, not as much as Data's weird behavior in every other episode. I gave it uh, six points for execution. Wow. Okay. I gave it a ten. Oh shit! So this is exactly what you want, is what this you're saying. Is, I think like a perfect execution of a Star Trek episode. Um, I feel like the only way that I could give it less is if I was just saying something like, mm, "I don't really like legal procedurals." Well, well, there's a couple. Okay, so there, I want to say there's a couple of things that are not perfect. You, you may have noticed I only gave it six. Yes. Uh, the character of Nakamura unnecessary. Yeah, you could have just had Maddox show up. He doesn't need to be there at all. If you had cut him out and given me... He's in here for 45 seconds, right? I disagree, though. I disagree because... You have to see that Maddox is his boy? No, because the way... How dismissive he is when he says he's here to take a look at your android is meant to reinforce the racism of the argument. That there might be someone in Starfleet who really feels that way. The guy just straight up goes, to a lieutenant commander... Oh, that is true. Who is highly decorated. He's here to look at your android. I guess. And doesn't okay. even look at Data or address him in any way. But wouldn't you have rather had 30 more seconds about the Stargazer Court Martial than <laughs> that well, scene? I was getting a little bit um, sexually excited, so I, I'm, glad, <laughs> I'm glad they didn't do too much of that. All right. There's a lot of hot chemistry there. So this is a 10 for you. Okay, and so 
There's no So doubt. you're 100% right about small touches. It's effective and compelling television, especially, I would say, on first viewing, and that it makes a lot of good points, even if some of them may only come into play with advancing AI technology. Oh, it treats the subject very seriously. Yeah. Um, what I'm saying is, from Star Trek, I don't know how you could ever get more than this. I don't know what would be a better execution of an episode than this, in terms of what it's accomplishing and what it's attempting. Here's, okay, I'm going to, I don't know why I'm trying to shoot you down on no, this. that's fine. But here's one more point I want to make. Doesn't this episode legally demonstrate that Data has emotions? I don't know. I don't know. Are, is emotion, are emotions the same thing as sentience? No. Or are they saying they're using emotions to prove that he's sentient? Yes. Maybe. Yes. When they That could be. <laughs> when they go through the why do you keep your medals... Yeah. Why did you keep this book I gave you? Yeah, it has sentiment. Why do you keep the hologram of Tasha Yar that we we didn't talk about? I think about her. Yes, exactly. Like, is it not? But I don't have a problem with that because on file now that he has emotions, and does it doesn't it then suck that? (laughs) I guess this is a problem. I guess this is a problem for every other time going forward that they say he doesn't have emotions. Yeah, but also it's like we already know that he does. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I mean? we know like, why. The person who found him, the person who claimed him as salvage, right. told him he was a robot and he didn't have emotions. And he's just been like, well, that checks out. I don't know. That uh, actor's secret has kind of solved it for me. Because yeah. if not, I would be really bothered every single time this happens. Oh, it's the only it's thing like, that makes it make sense, I think. Because, yes, I think you're right. I think they use his emotions as proof of his sentience. Um, well, it also makes sense because, like, the first robot that Dr. Soong built definitely had emotions. Yeah. And he, and he tried to make one that didn't have emotions next. Maybe he just didn't do it right. And, you know, he's not good. Maybe if you make a robot that that's sophisticated, they just have emotions. And he tried to suppress Data's emotions and just fucked it up. Yeah. It just can't be done. I don't know. Actor's yeah. secret, as you said. <laughs> right. So anyway, I, I thought, I, I mean, I don't really know what I would ask for out of this episode that it didn't. That it didn't deliver. Yeah. Uh, ben gave it a six, so he's with me on this one. Uh, he thought it was contrived that it was Riker versus Picard, but then at least they explained why. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not a bad point. And um, that's what we were talking about in the episode description, was this lady's got her emergency backup plan. You know that I, from a, uh, from a world-building point of view, you that's know that I am... I'm into that kind of idea that, yes. that where she's like, listen, I have, we can't, I we can't do a trial. I have no staff. And he's like, you have to have protocol for this. Yeah. And she's like, all right, all right yeah, I, I do. Technically You're I not going to like, I don't want to do it, but I do have. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, should I just get into world building then? Yeah. What do you got? Give me that uh, world building. Newly established Starbase 173 crew rotation offload of what it really say like experiment modules or something. Yeah. Something like that. They're doing some business. Maddox used to be on the Academy admissions team. Um, nobody knows how soon solved certain specific issues with the positronic brain. I didn't bother to write them down because it's techno babble. Um, the acts of Cumberland, 21st century, I guess somehow made it legal precedent that data belonged to Starfleet. Right. Uh, Starfleet rules when the JAG has no staff, as we've discussed. Um, according to Picard, many life forms possess mega strength. Uh, they are possessed of mega strength. 
that seems racist. Maybe you have wiener strength, dude. Yeah. Uh, it is the case when you consider the Federation, uh, humans particularly, to all other aliens in Star Trek. Yeah. Humans are weaker. They seem like it. Yeah. They're weaker than Vulcans and Romulans. They're definitely weaker physically than Klingons. Good thing they all know martial arts. It's not clear about the Cardassians, but they're built on heavy frames. They, they seem look like they look sturdy. stronger. Yeah. And even when they come up to the Ferengi. Yeah, the Ferengi are stronger than they appear. They're right? stronger than they appear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Data's background, medals and honors, and most importantly, the central part of this episode is huge world building. Uh, the nature of Starfleet law as it pertains to artificial life and data status as a person is yeah, a biggie. It's, it's big stuff. They don't get into any of the obvious uh, immediate consequences like, is the Enterprise computer sentient? I think they, it is. I propose they, that it is. Since they bring it up as an example. They bring it up as an example and yeah. also Moriarty. Also Moriarty. Again, we've, we've during the Moriarty one, during the Shitsoid Man, I kept saying things like, I wonder if they're going to remember this when they have to go to trial soon. They, and they did not. And they did not. Um, I gave it a seven. I thought there was a lot there and important stuff, too. Uh, we're not crazy far off. In addition to what you said, we learned that Webster's Dictionary survives to the 24th century. So that someone can quote it. Yep. Uh... We learned that Data has 100,000 terabytes of memory. Sorry, who quoted Webster's in this? Uh, Data. He is asked, the first thing Riker asks us to define Android. And he uses Webster's. Webster's 24th century, Webster's 24th century dictionary second edition or whatever. God, kind of Defines an Android as. Kind of makes me want to give it a nine. Doesn't that sound to a nine for you now? I'm not, I'm not going to do it, but it may, I mean that. It's hack, but he's not opening a wedding toast with it. I was going to say, I wonder if in 1988 or whatever it was. Yeah, it was probably less hack, right? Yeah. Uh, Sorry. Data has 100,000 terabytes of memory and runs at 60 teraflops. Yeah, I just put data stats. I I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't remember. Uh, first of all, 100,000 terabytes, not that much. No. My computer has seven terabytes of memory in it currently, of hard drive. Okay. So data is uh, 14,000 of my computers. Yeah. Uh, but 60 teraflops is 10 Xbox Ones. Oh. So they picked real numbers. Always bites them when they pick real numbers. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, definition of sentience, uh, how that operates in the Federation... Uh, and, but mostly it's just like a lot of little stuff that makes the Federation seem like a real place in this episode. Yeah. Uh, there's no getting away from it. I gave it six points. Okay. Ben uh, has five for world building. It's the first time we've seen the poker game, he thinks. I think it might be. It might be, yeah. Um, all the JAG regulations, of course. Some of the history of the Stargazer. They don't give you enough history to really tell you what no, happened. It's but just it teasing. Is, it's beautiful character work. It's just not actual world building. Uh, he gave it a five for world building. Um, characterization. You're up. Uh, Data's good in this one. And that's so well, rare for him. Because he didn't despite what was happening his emotional reactions were kind of muted yes um but like little stuff like he calls picard out on his racism yeah he'll do it he'll do it again in uh reunif no uh reunification uh, two not reunification it's Fuck. um uh, fucking redemption redemption thank redemption you. two yeah redemption 
Um, let's see. Uh, good Picard in this one. Great Riker. Yeah. Like, you know, compared to the normal work that they do. I loved the Stargazer Court Martial backstory. Yeah. It's even with, give... even though I wasn't into the romance angle between them at all. But it's good to give Picard some backstory. I loved every... I loved... Well, we'll, well, we'll talk about it, I guess, in... Uh, I guess in quick hitters, what it could mean. Um, I thought it was interesting to have Jordy complain that Data isn't being treated fairly. Yeah. And Data telling Jordy that the world isn't fair. Yeah. The, the blind I didn't talk character. about it at all. They have like a little going away party and Jordy's yeah. real pouty. And By the way, apparently in that in that extended scene, they talk about a shit that would have pushed world building to a 10 <clears throat> if it had been included. Because they're like... What's Data going to do? Pulaski tells, uh, you know, what's he going to do outside of Starfleet? Uh, oh. Where's he going to go live? Stuff like that. Like, oh, stuff it would have been a bunch of, of stuff that stuff? blew up world building if it mm. had been included. Yeah, we never learn anything about life outside of Starfleet. Right. Uh, I gave it a seven. I thought the characterization on this one was basically across the board good. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's kind of limited you don't really learn anything about Picard, although you do get to see him learn something about himself. Yeah. Which is good. Uh, the Riker thing at the end is a little hack. It sucks that Data's like... I think Data calls him wise or something. It's very bad. The last scene is bad. Yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> um, but otherwise... <laughs> it's hard to say what you would want too much better out of characterization for this. I gave it a 7. I agreed. I gave it a 7. Um, I have uh, time for TNG's famed poker games to start, so I guess I also agree that this is the first one that I can remember. Uh, yeah, I couldn't think of any counterexamples for sure. O'Brien is so everyman, they just have him straight go into the poker game, despite the I, fact that he's barely in the show. It, But but he should be there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's like, he's, they're like, well, who would be there? O'Brien would be there, for sure. Like, well, uh, do you remember how O'Brien was cool, has been cool for a couple <laughs> of weeks there now? There are very few cool people. He, he should, should be there. He should definitely be there. <laughs> Uh, Pulaski knows poker rules. I guess that's supposed to be something based on the facial expressions of the others at the table. Yeah, they don't expect that of her. Although she's such a problem drinker. I was exactly going to say the same thing. It's fully consistent. Her gambling goes with drinking and drinking goes with gambling for her. Um, romance music for Picard when he sees Philippa Louvois. It does seem like Picard is hoping Data will just give in and go with Maddox. So this will be over. Yeah. Until Data plays the race card. Um, Small touches, Picard objecting during the trial, realizing everyone's watching him and meekly withdrawing his objection. Yep. Um, in general, flashes of a lot of good Picard to come, particularly the Guinan scene, again, I've already mentioned, I think was, for me, was the core of the episode was where it turned. Um, Data doesn't kill it at poker. Um, he's actually excited to be a part of Maddox's research at first, but not the part where he gets taken apart and maybe not put back together, right? Yep. Um, and yeah, he still looks at his weird Tashiar hologram thing. Because he's got the motions. Jordy's losing his best friend and is super sulky about it. You're going away. <laughs> it's true. Um, Riker's really bummed about having to argue against Data's rights. And again, one of my favorite scenes, unintentionally in Star Trek, is Riker thinking he almost had it. And I assume Data humoring him. Um... <laughs> Guinan crushing it, 
by leading Picard into the central issue of creating a new race and the responsibilities and problems involved with that. Uh, so I had a seven as well. Yeah. By the way, we didn't talk about it, but I love there's like when Picard says sooner or later, it's going to happen. Yeah. He's like, yeah, there's no doubt that people are going to, we're on the cusp of this. Mm -hmm. This is not a problem we can keep kicking down the road. So we got to make a good decision. Uh, what did Ben have? For uh, characterization. I already archived his notes. You gave it a five. You gave it a five, okay. And he says, uh, Picard is much more uncomfortable being called a sexy man than being called a pompous ass. I think that's true. Yes. <laughs> and that's Picard does true. respond to one in a, a very different way. But he knows he's a pompous ass. Riker says, Admiral on the bridge, and no one stands to attention. Yeah, that's true. They do not respond to that at all. Maybe that's why he was Riker so dismissive. might as well have said nothing. That's why he was so dismissive about the android. Like, well, fuck these people. They're to fuck your fucking android then. And he agrees that Spiner, um, he didn't think he was at his hammy worst. Yeah. Um, quick hitters. <clears throat> uh, I had worst actor, Philippa Louvois, Ain't Love Wonderful. Yeah. She didn't earn that. No, she didn't. It's the damn teaser. We don't even know who this lady is. Uh, or worst actor Riker reading data stats and saying algorithm all weird. <laughs> Heuristic algorithms. <laughs> or final candidate for worst actor Maddox on the spot when Picard's yelling at him and he swallows his tongue. <laughs> I couldn't tell which one. Um, so I guess Picard used to do dirty on this bitty, huh? He he did he did a nasty on this lady a long time ago. Um, no, I contend that he's still a virgin. I, I know it hurts our backstory, but what the fuck was happening there? Yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, it might just be weird banter, but I didn't like it. Um, Not sure Data's argument about Geordi's eyes really applies. I don't think they ever asked anybody to get their eyes adjusted, and then when they met with Resistance went, oh, well, you can't force a person to do this. I don't think they ever asked. <sighs> yeah. Because... I think they just real. I think they just assume our, our eyes are fine. It's not a good argument, but it is. Ma it's the quickest way to get to racist, I guess. Yeah. Uh, best actor Picard, um, but not for the stuff in the courtroom necessarily. I like when he goes, Commander. Who do you think you're working for? Yeah, that one was like boom. <laughs> Got him. Um, robot sex blows other arguments out of the water. Uh, everyone is shocked by that. Twin Data says they were intimate. Even the judge is like, oh, wait, Except, did he, did by he the fuck way, her? I, uh, I watched Riker very carefully for how he reacted to that. He uh, looked like he knew. Oh, I th he definitely, yeah, he puts his head, he's like, Oop, yeah, I know about that. I think everyone on the Enterprise knows about yeah, that. Yeah, uh, probably Tasha told him not to tell anybody, but then she got drunk 50 more times and <laughs> literally right. told everybody. Or it was like, she's she like, definitely at least told Troy, her friend. Or she was like, don't tell anybody, but Data had already told everybody. Yeah, Data was like, oh, uh, from I now won't. on, I will tell I, no one. I, I, by the, your secret's safe with me. Um, hey, did that Admiral just skip town? Like, shouldn't he have been the ranking officer and handled the defense? Yeah, there's a deleted scene where Picard complains to him over the comm link about it. Okay, so I he did know. skip town. Okay. Yeah, he's not there anymore, I guess. Because she's like, as the ranking officer, you're defending Data. And I was like, well, that's really lucky, because if that other guy was still around, that would be a bad defense. Yeah, had they, figured out, had they figured out at this point that admirals travel on Excelsior-class starships? Because I would have loved to see one, like, dip in and dip out. I don't think we saw one, yeah. so I'm not sure. Uh, but that's all I had for the, the quick ones. Uh, look how sassy O'Brien is in this first scene. 
Yeah, man. That's what he's he just straight up joking with the bridge crew. But how angry is he about his life in general? Yeah. Do you think? Oh, he's very angry. Do you well, think he's not? He should, if he was on DS9, he would be. Do you think Riker replicated those cards this afternoon and bent them all up so he'd seem cool? I play like, with these all the time. Oh, uh, these, yeah, these are my old poker cards. I play poker a lot. I've got a lot of friends. You guys don't know them. Why did Data need to check to see what his whole card was again? He remembers what card is down there. By the way, I, I, I know it's to show us that he has three queens. I get that, but in universe, yep. Why does he check it? I didn't write it down, but I did notice that he goes back and goes, "That's a queen, right? Yeah, it's a queen." Nah, there's another queen down there. I'm not. I was not confused. I did remember it was a queen. I knew all along. The um, the Jameson type admirals uniforms were not good, but no. Nakamura looks like he's wearing a fan made costume made out of a bellhop's <laughs> jacket. It's a very that. bad admiral's uniform on Nakamura this time. I just felt bad for the actor because he's so him, small. They kept showing him in full, like, wide shots where you could see how tiny he was. And I was like, yeah. oh, man, why are they doing this guy dirty like that? Uh, Picard and Riker both immediately picked up on Maddox's shitty attitude. It was almost like they could hear the incidental music. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Riker has a sense about people who come oh, on the Enterprise. Oh, Riker zorned him. Riker zorned yeah, this guy. he right zorned away. him just the way he'll he'll zorn Tam Elbrum. Yeah. The way he fucking zorns Rolaire and he's He'll zorn guy. right in on a guy. He, yeah, he'll zorn in hard on people. Um there's weird blue screen in that conference room scene. Like it's I don't know what it was, but like the lighting or something was very weird or the compositing was done badly. Hmm. For the remaster, that was the weirdest looking scene. When uh, Okay, so here's the thing that I really want to talk about with this episode. Okay. When he comes in and he's forced to eat a little crow and ask Philippa Louvois for help, when she says, all this passion over a machine, and Picard says, don't start, is that a hint at something from the Stargazer trial? Like, did she accuse him of being cavalier or negligent with Starfleet property, and then he was like, the ship's a machine? Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, the yeah, Stargazer was a machine, and I was doing right by the crew. Because it felt like there was something there. Yeah, like, all this passion over a machine, and he says, don't start. I just assumed it was, like, a sex toy thing. Oh, maybe. Maybe he was, like, uh, he didn't like toys in the bedroom or something. Oh. But I don't know. Maybe you're right. Um, that's true. If If you're not, I didn't read anything more into that. But, yeah, if you read into it, then you're like, oh, wait, what the hell happened there? Like, she, she says it sarcastically. She's not yeah. genuinely confused. But he's pissed. And he's pissed that she's trying to go there. Yeah. Yeah, I read that just uh, on first on first blush. I just read that as him not liking her cavalier attitude, for sure. Yeah. Does Maddox know the Enterprise computer is sentient when he makes his analogy? Because you know it is and I know it is. <laughs> That's right. But did he know? I don't know. I don't know if he's read the script or not. How cool would it have been if uh, Picard removed Maddox's arm? As his counter defense. As his counter. I can remove arms, too. I can turn people off. Look, and he just bashes them in the back of the head. Yeah. Look, I, I don't know a way off. to do it that won't hurt you at all. Uh, whatever Riker said. Pinocchio fuck, got his fucking strings tangled or whatever. I, I don't know. I got no strings. Just start singing Pinocchio. <laughs> like holding up his limbs. Uh, I give best actor in this one to Frakes. Ah, uh, wow! It's all face acting, ever. though. All fa- he's not going to get it again. again. He's not going to get it again. 
And uh, wait, did I give it to him for Haven? Because he seemed so destroyed in Haven. I might have given it to him. I think you really enjoyed being able to craft his backstory, so maybe. Yeah, I learned so much about him that day. Uh, and I gave Worst Actor to Spiner. Frankly, there weren't too many terrible performances in this one, but yeah. him at the poker game I did not like. Yeah, I think that's fine. It's always fine to give Spiner Worst Actor. Uh, Landry has done the math. Oh, Landrew. How did Landrew think we did this week? All right, coming in at number five, uh, Enterprise with Singularity. That's a turns out to be a fifteen point episode. I ain't good. That is, that's poor. Our the average episode, uh, including this week's scores, is thirty one point six three points. So fifteen is is quite bad. It's lower than my average score for an episode. It's it's really it's very bad. Um, in fact, it's bottom ten percent. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, look, what did it score? It scored. Uh, Three points on world building combined, three points on characterization combined? Yeah, that ain't uh, good. Yeah, that is not good. I only right. scored four and five in the other two categories. Right, too, so. exactly. Yeah. Uh, at number four this week, with 26 points, The Apple. Not a good episode. Not a good episode. I scored it higher than you did. Uh, we're six points apart on that one. I just, I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired of it. Let's uh, see a new one. That's not even our biggest spread of the week, though. It's true, because of Paradise. Yes, coming in at number three this week. Uh, second or third time in a row, DS9's been right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, is Paradise with 30 points. Yeah, yeah you, we're eight points apart on this one. Yeah, your rubric did not enjoy this one. Um, yeah. Mine was a little bit better with it, though I, I did not think it was a good episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, coming in at number two... With Number two. 31 points, which sounds good this week, but is actually, again, just below average. So a very average episode in terms of score. Turns out TNG didn't have a lot of competition this week. Yeah, was Voyager with life signs. Yeah. Now, Uh-oh. that is enough points for Voyager oh, to have oh. passed Enterprise. Oh, thank God. So, <coughs> the new ranking, the new, well, let's let's save it because there's still, there's news still to be one broken. to go. Number one this week, number one all time, with wow. a total of 57 points, The Measure of a Man. You know, I wouldn't have initially thought a season two TNG episode could be there, but I, whenever I think of this episode, I do actually usually remember it as being something. There's something that, there. That is two points above Balance of Terror, the previous yeah. uh, top score. That brings uh, TNG to 12 wins behind the original series' 15. And it brings TNG to 1,196 total points. One point behind the original series' 1,197. Good God, they closed the gap quick. Oh, well, this week they got closed it by 31. <laughs> they, yes, they made up 31 points this week. So they, that, they made up a whole episode's worth. Uh, that obviously will do you, do you quite a bit. They put three points on them the week before that, and they put 18 points on them the week before that. So really, yeah, uh, because Unnatural Selection was a 43 and A Matter of Honor was a 42, the three-week average yeah. for these episodes is huge. In fact, I probably have it calculated on this other chart. Let me just see. The current three-week average for the week that surrounds uh, Matter of Honor. week 33 yeah. is 
47.33 points. Yeah, they're crushing it these days. And they're, the five-week average for the week before that is 41 points. So, yeah. really, although Season 2 got off to a pretty shaky start, this part in the middle of Season 2 here has been amazing yeah, for TNG. I'm very surprised, but I, I guess I do like these yeah. these episodes when I think back. Well, on Natural Selection, I was surprised by. Yeah. But I like A Matter of Honor and A Measure of Man when I remember them. So here's where we are series-wise. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Let me just say, if I'm reading Landry right, this was your top-rated episode ever, and this was my top-rated episode ever. Yeah, that's how you do it. Yeah, and then it was the top execution episode ever. If uh, reading, again, if I'm reading it right. I don't I don't have the scores called out for execution so that I can check that immediately, but like uh, my max is 26, your max is 31. So you're definitely right about the first two. Let me just scroll back. I think back. you set it up so that it underlines the number one. It doesn't underline the number one. It underlines the top 1%. Uh, okay. Desert, yes, Crossing Desert Crossing scored a 16, a 16 in execution. Yeah. So it it is, a, and also hide and queue. Oh, boy. I didn't remember so that. It is the, and also the man trap. So it's All the right, so fourth 16-point execu- execution, but it, yeah. there's never been one higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, it is, uh, yeah, it executed very well. Frankly, its worst score was a 13 for world building, but yeah. the uh, the average beautiful for dark green TNG's world building is 8.7. So to get a 13 was was still like very significant. Yeah. This week, um, the weekly scores this week has the highest standard deviation. Yeah. So uh, the average nice. for the week was 31.8. But the standard deviation is 15.4 because we have one very high score and one quite low score. Yeah, and then three kind of lumped together. And three right in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh, the most spread out. I mean, I don't know. Only Ben and Ryan listen to this. Ben definitely knows what standard deviation is. But uh, Ouch, Ryan. Well, I don't know whether Ryan does or not, but I don't know that he's ever taken a <laughs> Ryan, statistics class. Ryan, will you class. please tweet us and let us know whether you know what a standard div is? We it just means that the... Deeves. We call them standard divs. The scores are the most spread out this week of any week. Yeah. Uh, next week. Next Star Trek week. Week yeah, 35. Yeah. Uh, we will be watching The Doomsday Machine. I am I am in favor of this. That's a great one. A cornucopia goes wild and starts blowing up planets. Yeah, it's an angry space cornucopia. A Commodore loses his whole crew, becomes crazed. It's pretty good stuff. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, the Commodores really get what they fucking had coming to them. Don't Let's just say. Don't that. know whether it'll score a lot of points, but it should be entertaining. It's easy like Sunday morning. <clears throat> uh, we're watching the Dauphin. That the one Dauphin. I, I don't remember as being very good, but you know. TNG's been on a run. Maybe I'll be surprised. Uh, we'll see. It is very Wesley forward, which these good, good episodes have not been. Yeah, I don't know. It might be a tough one. Um, but, you know, there's maybe there's something there. It's a hereditary ruler, someone who's groomed for it. There's going to be some yeah. duty, some probably, some, probably some stuff about your duties and yeah. expectations and stuff. Yeah, okay. Uh, we're watching Shadow Play. That could be about anything. On the on the DS9. Yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. It could be. There could be some sinister Cardassian stuff. Maybe we'd get Garrick. That'd oh, be hot. Oh god, that would be so amazing. Be into that idea. Oh my god, I'm ready like for this. Garrick or Guldukat. Either one. Don't get my be good. fucking hopes up. I don't know. Uh, I don't have, still have Netflix open. I can't tell you what's in the screenshot. Okay. Uh, for Voyager, we're watching Investigations. Yeah, I cannot say I know what that, that one. It would have been easy to pick music for, probably. 
you could just play private investigations by dire straits or something like that mm. um and for enterprise vanishing point is, is that a real thing is that an expression I'm not familiar with it. Uh, vanishing point is the point in uh, perspective where all lines meet. Oh, really? So in a perspective drawing, that's called the vanishing point. Oh, I'm glad I asked then. So okay. it may have other meanings, but that's one of them. Interesting. Uh, so that's what to watch if you want to play along. Next week on the podcast, not the next Star Trek week, uh, yeah. will be a mailbag week. So write in. We have some mail, but we can always do more. Also, it'll be the Elite Eight round of the Led Zeppelin tournament. Yeah, with a twist. With a twist, there is a ninth. And Matt, I've decided how I want to handle that ninth episode. Ooh, that I ninth uh, song. I cannot wait. And so, what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to that song, and I'm going to look at all the matchups, and I'm only going to put that song in if it would beat an entire matchup. Because I don't think it, I don't think it, it makes sense to put it in in place of an episode, in place of a song, and then immediately have it lose to another song. I guess that. Okay, I guess that, so. Yeah, play it however you like. It'll I, replace I, if I haven't listened to it yet, so I don't know. But if I think it would beat both halves of one of those matchups, then I'll probably drop it in t- directly to the final four. Okay, all right, I get it. That is so, a very logical way to treat it. Yeah. the The other thing I could do, I guess, would be to go back to the Sweet Sixteen and do the same thing and say right. if it would have beaten either of those two, then drop it in. Uh, but. But I, I'll know already. Like if I have to, if I have to decide, well, it would have beaten both of those oh, yeah. two. Oh, look, I'll I mean, know what it would do against the other winner. Also, you might listen to it and just hate it. So it yeah, there's always that possibility. So either it'll be a part or it won't. We'll discuss it in uh, in next week's episode. But you can follow along by going to brotherday.com and clicking on uh, the Zep link to go Zep. to the spreadsheet. Landrew is up to date. You can check out all of the numbers there. Uh, there are a number of additional sheets beside the main one. If you want to see what the sliding three-week and five-week averages are, I'm still working on charting it in a way that I like, but the uh, the data is all present. I feel Next good. week is week 35, by the way, so probably time to revisit the actor rankings also. Why not? Let's go shoot for five hours. It'll be a five-hour we'll pod for sure. We'll get there someday. I feel good, though, about this. I feel like work was done today. We crowned a new champion. It's, That's uh, right. It feels good. All right, everybody. Thanks uh, a lot. We'll see you soon. Because, uh-huh. Boy, I don't know if I... Oh, not achievable. Oh, I don't no. think I should look down there, though. Oh, no, uh, nah, if I look down... Uh, what's over here? Let's look over here together. Uh, I can it's do it really... so it doesn't hurt at all. Oh, jeez. Oh, well, now uh, I don't have any out. Please subscribe.